Hello, I'm Jeff Lister, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. In the aftermath of episode 218 emerges the hero known as episode 219. Yes, Graham McMillan and I are back to talk about Jaws some more, to complain about Marvel some more, to give away more movie spoilers, salute the new no-brow catalog, worry about the future of the direct market, and wonder about the current state of Image Comics. Show notes are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. You can leave us questions and comments at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Graham McMillan, hello! Hello, Jeff Lester. Hello, Whatnuts. And Whatnuts, let me just give you a quick secrets behind the podcast thing. (laughs) Jeff literally just finished talking. But Jeff had to call back because my voice cracked when I did the Jeff Lester last time. It was the point where Jeff was like, "Are you all right?" And all it was was I had to clear my throat, but it sounded that I guess I sounded horribly emotional. Jeff Lester, you sort of sounded like I'd scared you. You know, just that kind of thing of like you're looking at some forbidden picture that you shouldn't be seeing and suddenly I call and you're like, oh! (laughs) What? No, nothing. What? Jeff Lester. Exactly. (laughs) I wasn't doing it. Go away. Hello. What's up? Goodbye. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, Hey, Graham McMillan, uh, I know we have I want to. I, I want to pretend like we have many things to talk about tonight. We'll see whether that's true or not. Um, uh, once again, I didn't coordinate with you, but we really do have to start writing down our secret guesses as to what we'll discuss. But I wanted to mention, <laughs> as an addendum to our previous episode, I uh, clicked on one of those like world's easiest clickbait articles, which tells you like, here's what's leaving Netflix. Here's what's coming to Netflix, and. As of the 1st of March, all four Jaws movies will be leaving Netflix. I didn't know they were on there, but... I also didn't know they were on there. Part of me is like, so that gives us like three days to watch Jaws the Revenge. Exactly. Exactly. Part of me is like, I'm not uh, even if only we had known 3D. that. I know, right? If only we had known that, we could have watched it and then talked about it this yeah. week. Yeah, exactly. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what not? As you hear this, this will be going live on Monday, and Monday is... The twenty seventh of February. Yeah, right. Exactly. So two days, two days to watch Joseph Revenge. And when I say to watch Joseph Revenge, what I mean is don't fucking watch Joseph Revenge. <laughs> did I not scare you off last time? It's true. I did. Did we figure out which one of the Jaws movies that isn't Jaws that we would consider the most competent? Uh, we didn't, but I guess I'd have to say Jaws two. Interesting. Interesting. Cause Jaws... If only because I, I, Jaws 4 is definitely no. a yeah. steaming pile of shit. But also, I seem to remember Jaws 3 being also a steaming pile of shit. You know what? I feel like Jaws 3, part of the problem was they made it like a PG movie and kind of a really soft PG movie. But well, Also, I'm 3D, so is it not literally the old school 3D where lots of things come towards the camera for no reason whatsoever? Um, there's one or two of them. There's, a, But not that many. Like, the, the funniest one is is like you know, because the whole idea, like, <laughs> like I know all of us know the plot of Jaws 3D, but uh, you know the 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 uh, Brody brothers have grown up, and one's Dennis Quaid and one's not Dennis Quaid, and they work as um, in various capacities at a Marine World Sea Park, 
And so there's a point where one of them is discussing something like outside, like the, uh, uh, the thing to an attraction, which I think has like a serpent's mouth with like a tongue sticking out with like a forked tongue in two directions. And it's great. At the end of the scene, the camera just zooms up into the tongue for no reason whatsoever. And I remember in the audience, everyone just laughing It just, but <laughs> that being said between that and I think when, Oh, well, yeah, I think when the when the shark explodes, I think the the jaws literally fly toward the camera in in 3D, like like the upper one and the lower one. But maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering that. Well, but, Luke, are you doing anything tomorrow? Because if not, you have to watch Jaws 3D. Unfortunately, I am booked like a motherfucker. Because honestly, I, I'm as I'm talking about it, I'm like, why wasn't I watching Jaws 3D today? I should see it because. Here's a funny thing. Richard Matheson wrote the script for Jaws 3, you know, which is kind of a big deal. I mean, I, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good. No, no, no. Absolutely. Richard Matheson also did some other stuff. Not so great. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of, you know, that guy could do cromulent hack work. And believe me, it's not anything less, you know, or more. But it's. I I have to say. Mm Mm-hmm. Two things. One, I love that we're talking about Jaws for a second episode running. <laughs> and two, cromulent hack work honestly feels like the most Jeff Lester compliment <laughs> in the world. <laughs> we have pe- reached peak weight what? Like three minutes in. It's <laughs> probably true. Everyone's like, eh, I'm turning off the podcast. Nowhere to go from here. It's just going to be Jeff sputtering and Graham trying to lure him back to saying something half as Jeff Lesterian. So, uh, but, so the thing is, is that Jaws 2 um, has a fucking great adaptation. Hank Searles, who ended up doing the adaptation for, I think, Jaws 3 as well, he did the adaptation for Jaws 2, and it's really good. It's got all Wait, the plot when you points. say adaptation, you mean the, a novel? He did the novelization of okay. the screenplay, but it's actually a better read than Jaws the novel, you know, which was written before the movie, that the, that the movie was based on. So... It's, it's really, it's got some good stuff about sharks. There's good stuff from the shark's point of view. <laughs> it's got some good shark stuff. Well, come on, man. It's fucking Jaws too, Graham. You can't, like, turn around and be like, If you're oh. showing up for Jaws, you're showing up for sharks. Yes, Let's exactly. It's not like, oh, I can't wait to see what the East Coastline looks like in this Jaws film. You know? It's I, like, look, if I'm, if I'm turning on Jaws, I'm looking for spectacular from actors who... Are much better than the material they're given. Oh man! Well, see, that's it. The first—that's why nothing can ever really repeat like Jaws. Like you can even be like, "Oh, sure, you've had uh, anywhere from a decent to a great actor in each of the Jaws movies, but you never really had like that first cast is stellar." And you've got Spielberg, I, I, you know, at yeah, the highest powers. Yeah, and that first cast, who, let's be honest, are honestly treating that film better than they shoot well like they, no but they are with the exception of shit what's the name of the there's dreyfus and there's schneider and who's George the Bernard other guy Shaw. yeah i know it's Bernard. not i said that last year last <laughs> episode and you didn't catch it or didn't correct me on it and i was like no, ah, I, shit. Not, not only i did catch it but i didn't correct you because i like last week i was like is that actually the name of the actor that no <laughs> And then this week, I actually fucking went to check. Uh, and I did... Oh, it's Irwin Shaw. 
Yeah. But he's No, like, it's not Erwin Shaw. Erwin Shaw's a novelist. It's Robert Shaw. <laughs> like, I don't know. This is why I It's Wallace Shawn. It's Wallace Shawn played Quint. Wouldn't that have been the best? Like, oh seriously. My God, when we remake up. Jaws, that would be the best. It's a farewell I'm to all pretend- you Spanish ladies. This sprite is now a Jaws film in my mind. <laughs> And you've got Andre the Giant and Wallace Shawn and uh, Mandy Patinkin, oh and they're going to go and get the, the shark. That would be great. Right? <laughs> Hello, my name is Martin Brody. Prepare to die. <laughs> oh. I was going to tell you something that was like vaguely pivoting off that towards our like our actual topics. Um, it's gone. Oh, I know what it was. Talking about movie adaptations. Yes. Have you ever read Ryan North's ebook oh, and also a series of blog posts about the novelization of back to the future oh no i've heard about it but i haven't read it no it's amazing it's amazing not only because it takes what is a relatively funny idea and runs it into the ground really fucking quickly mm-hmm. like you've got to genuinely a have great affection towards Ryan north to keep reading but also be of the right level of anal to be like yeah, I'm ready for someone just to spend far too fucking long basically complain about the differences between a, no- a novelization and a movie. Right. For right. Like, chapter by chapter. That it is kind of great. But it's, it's, it is kind of also, yeah. Um, but it, it's... Uh, being one of those people, it's utterly fascinating to me. <laughs> because it genuinely seems like not only was this a novel that was written before the movie was finished... Mm-hmm. It was written by someone who had a very different idea of what the movie should be mm-hmm. than what the movie actually was. So they and, were they doing the Eric Stoltz version of Back to the Future, basically? They were doing the Eric Stoltz version, but also a version that was much more um, sincere about the maybe things were better in the 50s. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? This is this very, very, very weird thing. It's It's... Because I feel that you also are this level of anal, that you would also find it really interesting, the the difference between the thing. I love, we were talking about Star Wars last time, or or recently, the Star Wars movie adaptation. And like the ways in which that's different from the, the, uh, the, the movie. Right. Like, as a kid fascinates me, and still, like, I'm still kind of curious. I was like, maybe I'll read the Rogue One adaptation. Mm. Because it has stuff that was cut from the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, so, so there's two two things here. Uh, one is, and I'm not sure how to tie into the more pertinent point, but like I, I have to confess that among the various things that I've gone through phases of collecting uh, throughout my absurd life, at one point I was collecting. Uh, me and a friend of mine were collecting movie novelizations and reading them and exchanging them. And usually, the worse the movie, the the more glee that we would have. So like, like Beverly Hills Cop to the novelization, you know, like just shit like that, like really bad. I don't even remember half this stuff anymore, you know, which is kind of a shame because for a while there we had a collection. I'm like, didn't, didn't Hard Target have like a, I think Hard Target had like an adaptation, like just 
just crap like that. Just novelizations. We're into the novelizations and also just like completely busting up over the really because you know they'd always have that photo section in the middle and then you know some poor bastard would have to caption them and that was that was just great so um <laughs> so part of me is kind of like yeah you know i don't know if it's like if i'm being like a little too hipstery in in my sense of like ah i did the whole novelization gig but um but there's also just something more i think uh, uh arguably there's just there's just a few points where the novelization factor like d- despite loving it for bad movies the idea that someone like that you have a movie that's so subliterate is hard target and yet someone's like no 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 we got to put this sucker out as a novelization and you're just like why what who would read this <laughs> the people who go to this movie clearly cannot read you know or can't be bothered with reading who's going to be like ah oh, man when chance boudreau like kicks that guy in the head how did the guy who wrote that try to capture it in prose you know and then you read it and it's just you know, it's the you're person's... like, oh, like that. If you're lucky, like there's so many times where, of course, what happens is, is that stuff isn't written in the script and they flesh it out on production. You know, so classic. It's that it's that case of like Chance Boudreau knew he only had one way to escape the motorcycle men. He dove off of the bridge and landed on a train. He was safe. But at what cost? You know, and it's like, what about the scene where he was standing up on the motorcycle firing the guns, motherfucker? And of course, it's like, no, that that wasn't in the script. That was that was that was the wizardry of John Woo. Anyway, my point being, apart from people who are stupidly ironic like me, nobody's going to read those books. So, again, why do they exist? And so I love the weird vestigial nature of them. And so in that sense, I mean, it's kind of the um, cinematic equivalent of a freak show tent. You know, you just mm-hmm. go in and you're like, uh, there's a two headed fetus in a jar. And it's called Back to the Future 2, the novelization by Ed Hillier or I don't remember the guy who wrote. There was one guy, Ed, starts with an N, who wrote like a shit ton of these damn things. Anyway, doesn't matter. It, it's, you know, it's <laughs> that. So sort of me, it's, part of me is kind of like, like you said, the, the differences between Star Wars, the novel, and Star Wars, the movie. Like, I, I kind of get why people who are really into, it sort of makes almost more sense with like an extended universe like Star Wars, because you actually see glimpses of stuff that got cut for time that suggest whole like other, other things yeah, yeah it, it which may or may not actually come back but you know but again like part of me is like eh. I, I think the problem also is is for something like rogue one i feel like anything that's in there because they control the licensing so much it's it's such a staged experience you know what i mean yeah it, yeah, yeah so it kind of goes from being the freak show tent to being like the Disneyland version of the freak show tent, which is to say like, it's basically a place to sell you more stuff while making you like feel like you're in a freak show tent. So I don't know. So that's, that's kind of my, my completely cynical, sad old guy take on, on, on movie novelizations, but jaws two, the novelization by Hank Searles, people who, if you're into sharks, you should read that shit. Also, if you were like, Jaws 2, you're like, ah, they, it seemed like they had some really good action sequences here that they just couldn't deliver on. They're they're really well fleshed out in Jaws 2. Um, you know, all the sequences are there. They're just less 
stupid than they were in the uh, in the in the actual film. So I no, honestly, I'm like I should try and find this Jaws two novelization for Jeff as a gift. Seriously, I, I <laughs> Graham spoilers. Oh, do I not have it on my bookshelf anymore? I think I think it's in storage, but it was on my bookshelf up until recently because I. So went, you, you still have it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, not the original one that that we grew up reading when I was a kid. I but, like but bought a copy. copy. Yeah, Jaws, no, no, no. Jaws to a novel. It's by Hank Searles and Howard Sackler. Oh, interesting. I think Sack. I wonder if Sackler's the dude. No, it was Carl Gottlieb who wrote the screenplay for the second. Heads one. up, everyone! If you want to buy this beauty, it's on Amazon for ninety-two cents. <laughs> Seriously, that is among the best ninety-two cents that you can spend, even when you throw in the two dollars for shipping or whatever. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's disposable. But oh my god, I love that book. In fact, I am. I'm like, next time I'm coming up to Portland, I'm bringing two copies, and we're gonna do uh, like staged reading of like one oh jeff patreon special yeah that's what i'm saying right that's that's like that's what's going to allow us to retire (laughs) (laughs) patreon uh patrons i guess that's the the term you use uh if you would actually like us to do that let us know because I am totally into that idea not the whole book obviously but Jeff I feel you should choose the best like chapter it's gonna be hard I'm like which which chapter is it ah it's so tough because there's the chapter where the fat kid's scuba diving and he takes the he sees the shark and then he swims up too fast and he gets the bends ah that's a good chapter and then there's the chapter where the helicopter pilot goes down too low and the shark ruin it for us oh I'm sorry anyway People, uh, whatnot. Uh, Jaws two <laughs> and Jaws three. Um, the was Jaws three? Was it just Jaws three D? It didn't have its own. It was called Jaws three three D. That that's yeah. what it was called. And I I remember I remember wanting to see that in the theater, but as we have already discussed, Jaws four was the one that I did see in the theater. I know, I know, and I have to say, I'm like mm, the big screen experience. <sighs> so somewhere there's got to be like a second run theater that just plays the Jaws movies occasionally, right? You, know, you would think, right? Well, it just seems like such a thing, like some of the crap they're showing at the Alamo Draft House on like a late Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm kind of surprised that the only reason why they haven't done the Jaws movies is there aren't like enough San Francisco hipsters who are like into it, you know what I mean? Not like even Jaws? What's like, that? Jaws. Oh, Jaws, Jaws. actually. Jaws, Jaws shows up on the big screen. Like, yeah. it'll get shown at the Castro here every so often, thank God. It's been a while since I've seen it on the big screen, but... But I feel like I feel like the, the sequels... There must be, like, enough people who'd be curious, especially in a city like San Francisco, it's just for, like, a one-night marathon. Ah, <sighs> man. Did I, ever, did I ever tell you about... You could do a countdown. You could do it from four to one. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about Jaws 5 Enter the Ninja? <laughs> no, because I definitely remember that. Okay, well, see, what happened was, like, uh, I think it was, like, the second year that I did NaNoWriMo, um, <laughs> National Novel Writing Month, w- was the year that they put up, uh, like, you could have a profile page and you could do an excerpt from your novel in process. And um, I was way too embarrassed about what I was actually writing. And I was like, oh, this will be great. I'll just make up the novel that I'm pretending to write. So I wrote uh, the opening chapter from um, Jaws 5, uh, Enter the Ninja, which has to do 
with um, the introduction of this uh, literary agent who's also a master of ninjutsu who gets approached <laughs> by Martin Brody to like rid Amity of the reoccurring shark menace because he thinks it's like a Japanese demon or something. And I was like, oh, this is great. And the worst part is, of course, once I start thinking about that stuff, I can't stop. So I was like, oh, yeah. And then in later chapters of this book I'm not writing, they're going to recruit Evil Knievel, who's going to like jump the shark as like an attraction to draw the thing because there's this whole secret society of evil ninja that are hiding underneath um, the town of Amity, and that's why they keep launching these sharks to attract them, to distract from the thing. So the ninja, you know, the ninja literary agent who's also in the process of trying to, like, you know, buy the rights for Norman Mailer's next novel because it's, you know, a 70s novel, that 70, the 70s set. It's very much contemporary, very post-Jaws 2, pre-Jaws 3, if you will, even though it's called Jaws 5. I was going to say, how did that even work out? You're Jaws 5. You're post-Michael Caine. Nah, it's, you know... It's it, that's only if you do it continuously. There's a little bit of beneath the planet of the apes the, the, going the on. The Jaws extended expanded universe is coming into play here. Yeah, it really did. So it, it was yeah. So there was going to be this whole scene where Evil Knievel actually ends up like jumping the shark, of course, um, you know. And then anyway, so so what was amazing was that the the founder of NaNoWriMo, Chris Beatty, actually came across the excerpt. And then read it on NPR. But what? Yeah, he did. He did. But he didn't use my name because I he just used my my uh, username for it, whatever. But uh, he was kind of like, yeah, hey, by the way, I just wanted to let you know I'm reading your excerpt on National Public Radio. I was like, what? It's the book that doesn't even exist. So, um, so there's my tie to the Jaws mythos, everyone. Um, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Here's my question. Yeah. You know they're doing uh, Pong Skull Island. It's yes. coming out in like two weeks, right? Yeah, into and it. And that is the, that's the King Kong Apocalypse Expanded Universe now. Mm-hmm. film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you may or may not have heard this. And if not, I'm sorry for spoilers. But apparently Godzilla shows up in the film. Oh, shit. Oh, really? Because... Oh. Well, the, someone, like, because you know how in movies, they, like, the credits get out ahead of time? Yeah. The credits have a uh, Godzilla is owned by whoever it's owned by. No. Oh, well, but maybe it's Shows just a up. movie poster. Well, it, maybe it is. But you but, know what? But, uh, but here's, here's the thing. Yeah. It, it, it is being, the Kong Skull Island is literally the first part of an expanded universe for monsters. <sighs> like, they, they've said that outright. Wow. Okay? Wow. So Godzilla could show up, which would be amazing. Mm-hmm. But do you not think Jaws should be part of something like that if it shows up again? Yeah. I mean, of course. Absolutely. Um, although, I think this, yeah. I, I was going to say something, and then I really couldn't because it genuinely would be a spoiler for something. Oh, no. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and I really want to, but I can't because it's something that you might be interested in and definitely something that our audience will be interested in even though chances are they already know it oh you're saying damn it the only one who doesn't know is me basically uh and you and you might even know although the fact that we've gone this far and you've not brought it up makes me think that you don't okay uh i just want to see it just say it <laughs> just go for it i can handle it uh josh shows up in the lego batman movie oh does he <laughs> that's hilarious yeah. i did not know uh, that. <laughs> you to 
Okay, spoilers everyone for the Lego Batman movie if you haven't seen the Lego Batman movie. Uh, thing number one, it's great. It's okay. very, it's genuinely very good. Okay. Uh, but the, the gimmick that they've not even hinted at in the trailers mm-hmm. is that the Joker gets sent to the Phantom Zone where he recruits all the villains from lots of different franchises wow. to come I, back and attack Gotham. I think I had heard some, something about the so number of it's cameos. Vol- so. It's Voldemort mm-hmm. and the Daleks and Jaws and Godzilla and King Kong. And, and like the flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz, and like a lot, a lot of things. That's great. Um, all come back to attack Gotham. <laughs> is is the joke? Is yeah. like is the the second half of the film? Oh my god, that's great! So now um, you want to go see the film? <laughs> I wanted to see it before you spoiled it. You, damn you! You should have said, "Don't spoil it." Then <laughs> I wasn't sure what you were spoiling, but okay, no, it's fair enough. Because honestly, like I said, it's that. You know, it's that classic, like, it's been out for, like, two weeks, and I really feel like two weeks is the classic, like, oh, everything's fair game, you know? Like, I, this is probably a sign of, uh, well, it's a sign of something, I guess, but, but basically, I really, I want to go see uh, Get Out, which opened uh, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, like Friday. Yeah, yeah. It's, and, and I'm like, oh, I just know that part of me is like, I'm going to have to stop looking at Twitter on probably Sunday night because to the extent that somebody wants to discuss some of the deeper meanings of the movie and or spoil it, I think they'll be quiet for the opening weekend. And then they're like, you guys, this is a really important thing that's facing us today. Hot take. And then it's just going to be, you know. Oh, I'm I'm surprised it's not on there already. It probably is. Because just seeing like the people who saw it early. Mm-hmm. And just being like, you guys, you have to see this film. Yeah, yeah. Like, not even this is a good film. It was. It had the run, don't walk. If you care about America, you have to see Get exactly. Out. Like, exactly. Like it had that. Exactly. And you're like, oh shit. It's and also the fact that it is uh like Stepford Wives for racism. Yeah, which you know, yeah. like this is totally going to be the here are my like it's not even here are my hot takes. Here's my like. Here's why the slate hot take is wrong. My 32 tweet thread. <laughs> you know, it's going to be that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know. So I'm just already, I'm like, ah, not enough time this weekend, sadly. Otherwise, because I'm just like, Ooh, damn it. Well, anyway, so, uh, Graham, we talked about Jaws. The worst part was there was something I wanted to talk about Jaws. Oh, right. Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> the two things go together because you put waffles in your jaw. Ah, well done, sir. Well done. Well, jaws, I guess. Not in your jaw. In your jaws. In your jaw. Yeah, in your robo jaws. So, yes, people, I have, uh, Graham and I were talking about uh, me going to Portland uh, for uh, a visit in the future. Hopefully, the and, not too distant reading, future. And reading Jaws 2. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. I guess you were probably there for that part. And uh, uh, I, I, Graham at one point was just like, you're just coming for the waffles, aren't you, Jeff? And I was like, oh, my God, I had a liege waffle today. It was kind of the first time in a while I've been sort of, I don't know. I mean, part of it is in Portland. You get up, you see the lovely waffle window. 
San Francisco, there were several wind, uh, waffle hot takes, but they never really sort of seemed to set in, with the exception of this Justin's Waffles, which is a, um, a liege waffle that you can buy at various cafes that's sort of packaged up. And you basically toast it and you can throw stuff on it. And I think I've mentioned it before because it's, it's surprisingly good. A lot of the other liege waffles down here ha- didn't really catch the waffle windowness. And in fact, it wasn't until I thoroughly was reading the waffle window website one night, but until I realized that the, um, the... I, I love, I love the idea that you just like for fun, read the waffle window website. <laughs> You're laughing like that's a funny thing, Graham. I don't understand. <laughs> anyway, you read the full of the website. Yeah, Go and, on. and the, the woman who's the chef, you know, uh, was inspired by the Leash Waffle, but she tampered with the recipe because she, she adjusted it to, to make it work differently, and which is part of the reason why, honest to God, Waffle Window Waffles are... Uh, but Justin's not bad. I mean, it's, you, it's, it's cold. Did you take you me there when What's I was that? in San Francisco? What's did that? you take me there one time I visited San Francisco? No. You definitely took me somewhere to have a waffle. Did I? Yeah, and this is this is a long time ago. Cause I was there for a WonderCon. Yeah, I was about to say. I was about to say. Uh, were you staying with Lauren Davis, or you were going to stay with Lauren Davis before she moved? And no, that's I was, why you stayed I was with staying with you. Yeah, okay, all right. Okay, don't get <laughs> snippy. I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, that's right. It came I was like, thanks for remembering, Jeff. I thought I was going to be on top of it for remembering that you originally booked it for with Lauren before she moved, and then you had to stay with me. So, you know, nope. I was just trying to be discreet. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't – I you know, there was a place I took you to Waffles. I don't remember where it was. It may have been for a brief period, uh, the Justin's people had a little booth, uh, in, in a shop over on Cortland and they, um, had some choices for, for waffles. Oh no. I feel like I took you to some place with like, like a blueberry waffle or something. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Graham, let's just say no, because obviously Jeff's memory is, is stinks, but it's Swiss cheese from all your quantum leaping. Yeah, exactly. Sad. Um, wow, Donald Trump recaps uh, Quantum Leap episodes. There, <laughs> There is a Twitter account that hasn't been done, or I, I say that and I'll look and there's been three of them. So it's like... Well, quantum Trump? Quant- <laughs> quantum Leap? It's, it's, it's Quantum Leap. Maybe Quantum Leap? Oh my God! <laughs> Signing on to Twitter right now. <laughs> To claim that sort of counts. <laughs> anyway, so Quantum leap. Keep going. Anyway, so so today, uh, because my schedule has changed around a little bit, I was at a cafe with my wife instead of us running our regular errands, and I saw Justin's waffle, and I'm like, ah, I'm gonna pick it up, gonna have it for breakfast. Later on that day, uh, it's like, oh, okay, I'm tired of reading comics. I got to rest my eyes and I got to grab some breakfast. I'm like, okay, I'm toasting this Justin's waffle. But as Graham knows, other people don't. Uh, I'm very much a fan of the waffle window savory. The sweet stuff's good, but the savory stuff is really where it gets me. And so I'm like, what do I have around the house that I can put on this toasted waffle that is going to be savory to go with the sweet? 
And the terrifying answer is we had some smoked trout salad from Sons, which is an amazing Jewish deli down on Mission Street. Uh, well, actually, sorry, down on 24th Street, off Mission, somewhat off Mission. And I was like, sure, why not? And and God help me, it was it wasn't perfect. It needed something, sort of the same way that that the um, the farmer's waffle needs. You know, it's like you got to have like the the goat cheese or something to kind of deal with all the rest of it or really the tomato i think to help bridge the sweetness and the savoriness it needed something like maybe i don't know i'm not sure what yet cheese or maybe some kind of cream i don't know but i was pretty excited for my trout salad waffle and um uh i will probably put a put a picture on the show notes um so take that people who thought that i'd hit peak jeff lester three minutes into the podcast <laughs> not to name any try, names Graham. Try, try salad waffle is the best captain beefheart album but let's be honest <laughs> <laughs> that is that is absolutely true that is true uh yeah so uh, Graham comic books have you heard of them i hear they're popular uh sort of <laughs> uh, yeah i was gonna say are they? Because I hear they're getting less popular, and also that everything sucks. Well, that, 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 when isn't that true, Graham? But I think I saw something on Abe's blog where I, I didn't click through, but wasn't there a piece on the beat where they did a study of the number of stories that's like, only about thirty oh, percent of Jesus the stories on the top Christ. six comics news sites. That, that was that was astounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the beat did a how many comics websites actually talk about comics? Right. And my favorite one was comicbook.com. It was by far the lowest. Really? Uh, it, it was it was like seven percent of its stories were about comics. More stories in comicbook.com are about professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not joking. We're about professional wrestling, then we're about comic books. Wow. Right? Wow. It was it was like by far the worst. Newsorama and Bleeding Cool. And then it went uh Or was Comics Alliance maybe higher, but everyone basically was like, Yeah, but it's Comics Alliance. <laughs> um yeah. I can't remember. But yeah, yeah, comicbook.com was the lowest, like by far. Mm-hmm. It was astounding how a, how many stories they put up in general. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at it and you're like, that's a fucking content farm. Mm-hmm. That's a sound. Because it's like, you know, 700 stories a week. And you're like, what the motherfuck? Uh, but 7% of them were about comics. Jesus Christ. That's, uh, that's not great. Well, and so, uh, it does lead one to be like, comic books are a signifier, huh? I guess. You know what I mean? Like, because comic books aren't about comics anymore. And hey, I look who I work for, Jeff. Right. You know, it's like I I cannot throw stones. Yeah. Although personally, after seeing that, reading the article, I was like, I am now more amused. I write about comic books for the Hollywood Reporter. <laughs> well, it's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It's like that's that's funny to me now <laughs> when you see this. Um, but it's true. You you look at anything. I mean, CPR. Literally got rid of the name Comic Book Resources in its yeah. revamp. Right. It's like now we're just CBR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's 
comic books aren't about comic books anymore. Comic books are about comic book culture, which is more about the Marvel movies and the DC TV shows and Riverdale than it is about like Marvel Comics, DC Comics, or Archie Comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and is that... I, I Part of me is kind of like... Hmm. World we live in. What, what's that? Worlds we live in, Jeff. It is, because, of course, I mean, if we had 400,000 readers tuning in every day to read about comic books, that's where the coverage would be, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, at, at no point are any of these sites biased against comics. I mean, obviously not. Mm-hmm. But they're falling clicks. Mm-hmm. And people want to read about professional wrestling. They want to read about comic books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a sad reality. It's funny as well that when the beat ran this story, lots of people on social media were like, well, my site is exclusively covering comics. And... With the best best will in the world, you kind of want to be like, yeah, but no one's actually heard of your site. And that's kind of the point. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, that's great that you only cover comics. Mm -hmm. I would lay money that your traffic is, you know, a tenth, if not less, than these sites. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're looking to pay people, as all of these sites do... You have to you have to have the readers because you have to sell the advertising so you so you can pay people. Yeah. So you you have to do all this other stuff. Yeah. It's just it's it's the sad truth, Jeff. Yes, yes, it certainly is, Graham. So uh, that is my spin off the comic books. They're popular, or are they? Um, <laughs> but but what they 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 create is certainly popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that is that is the that is the weird. Sweet spot, isn't it? I mean, uh, you had mentioned last week that you had read the um, a batch of issues of the IDW ROM uh, reboot. And as you yeah. pointed out, you know, uh, uh, Alien Robot versus the Invasion of the Body Snatchers is still a pretty good high concept. Weirdly enough, in the process of lounging about today, I checked my email and realized that the, or was it, it was today, that the World of Hasbro's sale, which this is one of the things that actually kind of steams my clams about comiXology, is if you go to a, I, I love, I love good old Leaf at Mission Comics, and so, um, I buy my comics through his, um, his branded comiXology store so because okay. in theory he gets a he gets a chunk of cash from that and hibs of course will not do it and which is so i'm like fine i leave give him some money but one of the things that's weird is not everything that's on sale will always pop up on under the under the sale window uh the other thing i'm learning is is that sometimes bundle stuff won't all either or if it's like stuff where you have to input a code at a um at the, at at check the page at checkout, yeah, sometimes doesn't pop up under the sales sale pages. Anyway, I bought a batch of issues of ROM and I started reading it. Uh, I think I, I didn't get that far in, maybe three or four issues in, and I was like, man, they should like kind of that thing of like they should really do this as a TV show. This is a this right? is a surprisingly, You're, yeah. mm-hmm. it's You're a, like this. This would be a great TV show. This would be a great movie. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know, the movie, it kind of depends. I, I mean, maybe I... Well, you kind of need a climax for a movie, which, which Rom 
is missing. Well, I think it's also just that idea of um, there's setup, 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 setup. And of course, with a Body Snatchers movie, part of the twist is the, oh, the person that you thought was this is actually that. And so I think it would just be too overstuffed. That's, I mean, the problem with the TV show is like kind of good luck getting the, you know, special effects budget lined up for it. But, but it really is a surprisingly strong idea. The other thing that actually threw me off, uh, because of the way you talked about it was, um, I was going into it, not expecting it to be like one of the things that they did with the IDW book, uh, that you of course know, cause you read the issues that is that, um, apparently they had people online who were kind of like, Hey, ROM's not going to work. You know, this reboot, because part of what made the original ROM work is how tightly woven it was into the superhero universe. So it gave you a lot of characters to play up against. And also like, you wouldn't necessarily expect their ties to the dire rates. And Chris Rael very smartly, I think was like, ha ha, got you, you know, got your nose. Here's some GI Joe characters. And, and, you know, at least one of them is now a dire wraith. And this is all taking place on our Hasbro verse. So, you know, we're tying into revolution and there's all these other characters. And in fact, you can't read one goddamn issue without, you know, the damn Transformers being talked about. Which... Well, that that's because Transformers is like the basis book of their whole Hasbro universe because it's the one thing they've been able to keep going all this time. Well, yeah. So they're like, the most important thing is the fucking giant robots, everyone. <laughs> well, it's funny. I don't I, – maybe it is what they've been able to keep going, but I feel that it's more that idea of like the Transformers are, you know, are the stars of the show. Like you can, sure, you can yeah. sort of, you've sort of gotten two GI Joe movies out over a period of time, but there's like been three Transformers movies. There's going to be another one. They're huge box office, you know. And there's so been four Transformers movies. Was there four? Is it? Is it? Yeah. Was that the fourth one? Which there's is- a trilogy, and then they reached. It with fucking Mark Wahlberg. Oh, I shit. feel it's like I, here's the horrible thing. I've seen all of them. Yeah. The sad part is I haven't seen the first one, but I definitely saw two, three, and four. And frankly, um, you know, again, I know there's people who are Transformers purists, which I am not. But like, as horrible piece of crap movies, they're really entertaining, and I had no oh, problem oh, with the, trans- the, the, the Wahlberg third one. one. The third one was the third okay. one. The third one is genuinely nonsensical to me. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. point where I'm watching it, I'm like, I literally don't know what's happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I I have right. I have no idea. I feel like I blinked, and I completely lost the point of the story. I have zero idea what is happening on screen anymore. Yeah, I see. Whereas I'm like, that's fine. Anyway, I like the Mark Wahlberg one, which is sort of an embarrassing uh, admission. But it, I'm just like, yeah, eh. but it, it's it, but it's very good for a dumb film. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Like, no, I if you go into a Transformers film. And this is going to sound like the, the worst backhanded compliment ever, but if you go in expecting basically loud, stupid fun, mm-hmm. that's what it's going to give you. Yeah. Like, it does exactly what it said on the tin. No one's going in, I was going to say no one's going in expecting a classy film, and then I remember, well, this new one has fucking Anthony Hopkins in it. He probably went into it thinking he's going to be. <laughs> oh, no. Not Anthony Hopkins. Come on. The stuff that Anthony Hopkins has done. I mean, he's not quite at Michael Caine Jaws 4 levels, but he was pretty He's, he's close. getting close. 
I I feel like he was pretty close, like post Silence of the Lambs. They were like, hey, Hannibal simultaneously made and ruined his career, didn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm sure as he goes to bed every night on a big bed of money, you know, because that's the other thing. Anthony Hopkins, if he was 22 years old, I'm sure he'd be like, oh, I ruined my life. Like, look at look at all the backpedaling that Shia LaBeouf has been trying to do now for you know, four or five years. Uh, but Hopkins is like, meh, you know, I did quality theater. I did Shakespeare. I did a lot of Shakespeare. I did a lot of good material. So I get to spend the next 20 years sleeping on big bags of money and, you know, getting handos from randos. I'm okay with that. You know, like, it's not like he kind of got the best of both worlds, sort of, you know, I, but I don't know. I mean, that being said, I'm like, Come on, please show up in one of the DC Universe shows, please. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine what would have happened to Shia LaBeouf's career if Indiana Jones had been a hit. (sighs) Because that's where I think it went wrong for Shia. I think I think if Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, even that title should have been a clue to all of us. Even that title should have told us everything we needed to know. But I think with that, it'd been a hit. Never mind even a good film, but a hit. You An know, audience I, has been like, this is the guy we want to see in Indiana Jones films. Everything would have been different. Okay. I have to, I have to tell you, the, to me, the most interesting thing about Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull is... And the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, And Jeff. the Crystal of the Kingdom Skull. And is, the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, get it right. And the Skull Kingdom with the Crystal... <laughs> Billy Crystal's Skull Kingdom. <laughs> Why did it take so long to get to that? Billy Crystal. <laughs> That's who should have played uh, Harrison Ford's son. That would have been <laughs> that would have been great. Ah, uh, the human fuzzy bear as, as in the role you've always wanted him to be in. So anyway, oh, because you going to have Karen Allen come out and be like, "I've got to tell you, you're a father to a 47 year old comedian." And I'm sure he walks out being like, "I can better. play 32." You know, exactly. Who's never been better than in? Uh, Probably when Harry met Sally, I guess. Princess Pride. What are we going to give him as his high point? But thinks that Mr. Saturday Night is the greatest film go. that's ever been made. See, that's, that's, that's the point where I'm like, Ugh. But honestly, my brother and I were talking about this the other night. I won't, we've already digressed enough about movies, but like, Graham, running scared. You have to, if you haven't, if you must have, did you see running scared when you were like 10 or 11 as well? Yeah, I was going to say, I think I saw it when I was a kid, yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Anyway, uh, so yeah, Shia LaBeouf in Indiana Jones and Billy Crystal Skull Kingdom is <laughs> is it's he is subtextually shit on in that movie. Uh, he may very well have ended up literally shit on. I don't remember it, how the it, like all the stuff they put him through. But one of the things that's interesting about it is Steven Spielberg is making fun of Shia LaBeouf in this whole way um all the way through in that they decide like once it's she once she is in there the the whole thing of making him have all these shout outs to classic movie heroes you know so like when he enters everyone remembers it's him with the leathers on and it's marlon brando's 
you know, the wild one. Yeah, he's, which... it's, it's, he's, yeah, he's. So the entire movie is built around giving Shia LaBeouf unflattering comparisons throughout the movie for, for pretty much its entire running time. Um, the, and it's a shame because the only, the only time where I feel like it almost kind of, sticks like like transcends it is there's a moment where he's like swinging on um vines with all these monkeys i don't remember how he ends up in the trees but he um they shoot him from the side with his curls and they're uh, spielberg's doing a shout out to johnny weissmuller's tarzan and and labeouf actually looks kind of angelic the way that Weissmuller did his Tarzan. But the rest of the time, it's just him, like, of course, rem- we remember him, like, the Douglas Fairbanks, him, like, sword fighting or whatever, and then getting hit in the nuts with the palm tree. or Like, at every stage, they're undercutting the guy. So it's kind of a weird, gross, like, you know that thing where baby boomers shit on millennials, a.k.a., like, you know, uh, one third of the internet or something like that. You, I feel like that is really, you see, you know, good old Spielberg being, you know, ahead of the time as he usually is. He, the one part of the movie that he really, really is into is being a baby boomer shitting on this millennial being like, Hey, look at this kid. Can you believe it? He thinks he's a movie star. And, um, you know, honestly, I I think that would that that would have fucked my head pretty thoroughly if I had been Sheila LaBeouf. I mean, maybe not enough to plagiarize Dan Klaus, but you know, I would have I would have done something. You know, so how much would it take to plagiarize Dan Klaus? Actually, no. Let's get off this subject, if only because I want to point out that I love that you said we've digressed enough about shitty films before going back to talking about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Hey Jeff, I've got a, I've got a comic question for you. Yes, you may or may not have seen uh, the stuff. You've probably seen the Marvel teaser for something called Generations with yeah. the Alex Ross art, mm-hmm. which is for people who haven't seen it. It's I think it's like nine Marvel characters, and they're uh, they're all leaping down. And what it is is the it's the contemporary versions, and then behind them are the classic versions. So it's mm-hmm. like Jane Foster Thor, and behind her is classic Thor, Miles Morales, Spider Man. Behind him, Peter Parker. Yeah. Um, and you probably have also heard about Make Mine Marvel, which is the the branding for the Marvel relaunch later this year. Right. Uh, I was thinking about this earlier, and I I was actually thinking about it because I was reading a bunch of DC Rebirth books, and I was like, this works for me, and it works for me basically because not only are they like completely competent, good comics, mm-hmm. but they're also very much appealing to the nostalgia. Like mm-hmm. it's I I know you know Tomasi has clearly read the same Superman comics I've read. Do you know what I mean? Uh, right. Rob Williams is is working off the model of John Strander, so on. And it made me think, not only uh, I think that's what Marvel is going to do with Make Mine Marvel, mm-hmm. but then I thought, I don't really have the Marvel gene the same way that I have the DC gene. Like, mm-hmm. I'm much more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. But you're much more of a Marvel fan than a DC fan. Has Marvel, can Marvel do a rebirth, I guess is what I'm asking. Can't. Can they legitimately get away with it? Because is there a 
way they can, without actually rebooting things, get back to those versions of those characters in a way that like audiences will buy. Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I think, I think I'm the wrong Marvel fan to ask because I think. Because when I look at the Make My Marvel and that, particularly that Generations poster, which looked like a bunch of Marvel heroes trapped in a rave, but maybe I didn't see the, the lower half of the poster or whatever. Um, I just had that sense of, uh, I, I just kind of felt like, hmm, how did, how did I feel? I, I guess, well, the, so there's a couple of things. What struck me as is, is that there was that period where DCU kind of failed for DC and they realized yeah. they were going to have to do something, and then they announced Rebirth. But, you know, that sort of intermittent period where it was kind of like, uh, we don't quite know what we're going to do? Like, it felt... it the mean after they announced Rebirth, but they hadn't say what it was? Well, I guess, I mean, did you, did or you before see that, you, like, before... flop or... Yeah, I just feel like there was a period of time, and maybe I'm completely... Oh, did, there were, DCU flopped. Like, almost immediately out the gate. Exactly. Like, as soon as the sales for the first month of DCU were out, yeah. everyone was like, oh, that's, you know, at best, disappointing. <laughs> yeah, at <laughs> at worst, oh, shit. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. The, the thing that bothers me about Generations or well, so, so I'm the wrong person because, honestly, Marvel, for me, would need to do a variety of things. I don't even know if it would do a reboot. I think it would just be like, hey, we're sorry that we treat our employees like turds, you know, and we're sorry that we treated <laughs> the retailers like, you know, like our our basic, um, like our version of sexy uh, hired maids or those women who come in and clean your apartment naked, like the amount of derision with which we treated them, even though they're the people who are paying us. So go figure out the analogy there. Uh, and we're, you know, we're kind of sorry that we treated our, our, um, readers with complete contempt and let our editors like basically run around and tell people that, you know, that they were wrong and dumb and that they had no point. I think that would be a great thing. I'm a little worried that Generations is kind of like, oh, we've been looking at the internet and these guys who keep harping on and on and on about how they're tired of the forced diversity of Marvel and they can't really seem to get behind these these like new characters. Like maybe we should figure out a way to throw the old characters back in the spotlight by you know, by having them on the same scene and sort of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, part of me is sort of like there was a period in DC uh, pre new 52 where the legacy characters were building up, you know, and it was, it was a decent head of steam. You know, it's like you had, you had Kyle Rayner, you had Wally West, but you also had Hal Jordan back. You also had, um, I guess Barry Allen back sort of, I mean, that barely counts. But, you know, there was kind of that idea of like, oh, there is, there's generations of these characters, all the stuff that we've been talking about, legacies. We're kind of bringing back the sure. stuff that, you know, that, that took a long time to get into play. And, and I sort of feel like part of me is like, oh, is Marvel sort of, at least my take on that generations poster is like, oh, I guess they're going to be doing something like that. I guess. But for myself, I kind of, I'm so tuned out of, part of me is like, to the extent that I appreciated Marvel 
I appreciated Marvel's attempts at trying to diversify their audience and their attempts to appeal to younger readers and, and, and readers of color. I, I think those were among the better things that Marvel was doing in its desperate attempt to try and figure out how to make people, you know, give them money. So part of me is like, I don't really see where that's going to appeal to me. And I don't really know where it's going to appeal to the, the, kind of uncomfortably semi-racist sounding, you know, old farts who were complaining that their heroes weren't white enough anymore because of forced diversity. Um, you know, that, that kind of creeped me out. So I, for me, it just all, it just all kind of looks like a train wreck, but, but maybe someone else is going to be like, Oh yeah. Like this, this is the Marvel that I want. Like I, I, but but I don't really know how that is because that's my thing. Is even when people are like nostalgic for stuff like, I don't know, the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four weren't selling, you know. Pre Jane Foster, Thor wasn't selling. Like people weren't really buying those well, comics. But, but wait, it was, wasn't it? Because Jason Aaron had like two years in that book before Jane Foster Thor showed up. Yeah, I think they had. Was to Jason Aaron, Aaron Thor not selling well? I don't know. Maybe it was. I don't think it was I mean, selling. I, I, as, it sold better once it was Jane Foster. I thought they. Yeah. Re, I thought oh, they I had to true. restart it. Didn't they reboot it at least once, if not twice? Or was Jane Foster Thor the it's second re reboot? Jane Foster Thor was the first reboot, and then Secret Wars happened. Uh, okay, so may maybe maybe I'm off there. So yeah, they they so already like it, I, mm -hmm. boots, but like the second one was the Secret Wars reboot that every series had. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure if that counts. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe maybe just the well, but I mean, if they rebooted before Secret Wars with Jane Foster, I think that's a sign that the whatever it was, the 18 to 24 issues before that were slipping enough that they needed to reboot. But maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe they were like, "Oh no, he's got a great new direction and we're really going to going to reboot this for whatever reason." I look forward to everyone writing in and telling me that I'm wrong. But I just part of me is like I don't I'm kind of like send the old characters away because that's the other I, I haven't been paying enough attention but I'm like send most of those characters away for a while like let them and then bring them back you know because the longer they're away the more people can actually build up fondness for them you know the, I think one of the things that's very problematic for me about Sam Wilson becoming Captain America uh, was just the fact that Steve Rogers was still around and underfoot. And of course, now they've brought him back and they're doing all this other yes, stuff. And never fucking left. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and I just think that that, that just is, I think that's a, that's a bad syndrome. Like even reading that X-Men versus Inhumans versus X-Men number one, where it's, where Johnny Storm's around. I'm just like, why, why are you there? Like, you know, I mean, admittedly, I should could find out if I was reading the Inhumans title, but I just kind of have that sense of like, you're not, you're not doing yourself any favors per se. So yeah, for me, I'm not, I'm not really down with the Marvel stuff, but I mean, just because there's stuff that I enjoy, weirdly enough, there's the stuff that I enjoy picking up that that's like Squirrel Girl. I'll continue to look at their titles but anything that's line wide is anathema to me, uh, anathema to me. So I just, I don't have any interest in 
the instant it gets announced as an event, it's the last thing that I want to pay any attention to. And it's funny, I read the, because I hate myself, and you know this if you were looking at the Tumblr gram, because I hate myself, I read the first four issues of uh, Civil War. Um, yes, I, I do know this, and I've also read the first issues of Civil War before you might find this as funny as I do. My Marvel Unlimited app refused to let me, like, signed me out and refused to let me log in. Oh, shit. Has that resolved itself? No. Like, I ended up taking it off the, the Kindle altogether because I was like, this is dumb. I, like, I can check it. I can log in on my laptop. Right. It's not, it's no, it's not a problem with credit card. It's not a problem with my login. I just can't do it on the Kindle anymore, which is how I was using Marvel Unlimited. Right. And well, so part of me is like, I feel like it's actually trying to stop me reading Civil War. So, so there was an, there was an update to the app that you needed to update. And if you didn't, in order to continue reading it. So, yeah, that, that so, was so there's, I, there was I, that. I, Oh, sorry. But then, sorry to interrupt, because I had this earlier in the week. What happened was you also then have to update your password because before you could more or less use your um, your Marvel password, I think, that, that was the same as your Comixology password. Like your, your password through the Marvel app that was the Comixology store branded, you know, gateway. And I think they've changed that now. So, but maybe not if you've. Got it through your laptop, but at the very least, you need to update your app. So, so it stopped working on you. That's kind of a drag. But, but also, I was like, I feel like it's trying to. I feel like it's committed suicide in order to stop me reading any more Civil War Two. <laughs> Civil War Two, man. The first four issues of that are 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 really interesting to me. I knew I wasn't going to like them, but I was really amazed at how. Um, just really shoddy it is. I mean, even by, I think, the Lord's It's standards. shocking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Even by the Lord's like, standards you walk in. You genuinely think, oh, but Brian Michael Bendis can actually write better comics than this. Mm -hmm. For the entire thing. Uh, well, I don't know. At some point, again, diminishing returns kick in, and you're just like, can he? You know, like, I'm sure he, like, I. it's one of those things where it's such a bad performance. I'm like... Maybe I was just fooling myself about the stuff that I liked way back when, when I enjoyed Powers and Daredevil and Ultimate Spider-Man and stuff. Because cause honestly, Civil War, those four issues actually honestly read to me like four different drafts of a first issue for Civil War Two. You know what I mean? Like each one. <laughs> now, when you say four, your first issues, you're included the freak issue and the zero issue and then issue one, right? Uh, or are you just going one, two, three, four? One, two, three, Because you're getting Civil War Two did actually have three first issues. Yeah, that's true. And I read the zero issue, so I didn't in advance, so I hadn't read that already. Um, are you still there's a zero issue in it as well? Sorry, I just want to check. Are you sort of are, am I hard for you to understand? Because you're sort of cutting in and out a little bit. And we return. Yes, we do. Uh, we'll see how things go. God damn it. Why is good internet so hard to find and keep? It drives me up a wall. So, Graham McMillan. You're, yes? You, you gotta live in, in San Francisco. That's what's going wrong with you. Yeah, right. Yeah, no shit. Well, that's probably it. Like, here we are on a Saturday night speaking on the internet. Everybody's like, hello, you're supposed to be sending dick pics. Come on. Get with the program. So... 
Um, speaking of which, Graham, I just sent you something. Uh, feel free to open it. So. <laughs> anyway, so speaking of dick pics, Civil War. I read uh, issues one through four. I had already read the issue zero, and then I forget what no, the no, other no, free wait. comic book day so, was. Yeah. So you had you read issue zero or had you read the free comic book day issue? Because they're different things. Oh, shit, right. Okay. Free comic book day issue is the stu- is the part that takes between pages and pa- of issue one right. and issue zero takes place which came out after the free comic book day issue takes place before issue one and therefore before the free comic book day issue even though there's nothing to say that in the comic okay then you get like 20 pages into issue one and then the free comic book day story happens yes. again there's nothing to say this in the comics themselves that's right and then like the end of issue one takes place after the free comic book day story right okay thank you free comic book day is- story is what i read the you're under arrest thanos which i thought was one of the worst yeah. lines yeah. ever written but then i hadn't read yeah. issues one through four yet so <laughs> i think you're someone who's read the final mm-hmm. issue as well in fact i've read because issue four isn't even the Hulk issue, is it? That's issue five. Yeah, issue issue no issue three is the Hulk issue. Uh, is issue, it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bruce Banner then, dies then, in issue three, and then okay, issue then, four then, yeah, is I've, yeah. Yeah, I've read because I've read issue eight as well, and it's um, man, it's just a, a, a stunning clusterfuck of a comic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really it's it's kind of stunning in how. Inept it is. Uh, I, people who check out the Tumblr, people who don't check out the Tumblr, I have this huge complaint where I think it is an issue for Tony Stark makes this big argument for to the heroes as to why they should not trust Ulysses. And it genuinely made me so angry because Brian Bendis, who's written a lot of Iron Man um a lot of Tony Stark and seems to think that he has a good handle on the character is sort of the same way that Brian Bendis's sloppy use of the word futurist is kind of grating. Which, which you know, drives me insane because Brian Bendis seems to think that that means Tony Stark can see the future. Yeah, right. I know. And it's just, it's, it's the, the problem is, is that Brian Bendis is a, is a science yokel. He doesn't seem to know shit about science, and he honestly has no interest in learning. And part of me is kind of, the weird part is, I'm like, oh yeah, comic books, that's kind of their charm, sort of. I find it, I find it, um, I find it lazy to the point of being objectionable in Bendis. He doesn't. He doesn't, I, you don't even get the sense that he, he, like, unlike, you know, the other 60% of comic book writers who are like, oh, uh, I know I've got to read something, I've got to be on top of science, I'll go read a bunch of Warren Ellis comics. Like, you know, Bendis doesn't even fucking do that. So, at one point where he has Tony Stark trying to tell everyone that the reason why he can't, you know, back Ulysses is because Ulysses is using math and it's an algorithm and therefore it's just guesswork is it's it's I, 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 ugh, ugh. no but you see it makes sense in the brian michael bendis scheme of things because he's futurist he doesn't rely on algorithms or math or science to know the future he just knows the whereas ulysses whose secret power superpower is seeing the future yeah can see the future because he's using math right 
Right. Yeah. <sighs> so I mean, side. Just wait until you get to the final issue. Just wait until you get to the final issue, yeah. Jeff. Do you know it's, what happens in five, six, amazing. and seven? Is it just sort of the same re-upping it's, it's, of? Yeah, it's basically the, the killing of time that goes through issues like th- two and four of the that you've read. Because that's the other thing about Civil War Two. It's the worst paced thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has filler. Like, really noticeable filler all the way through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The actual, the the whole first, even the first issue, which opens with this super fight scene, um, is feels like that's exactly how Bendis wrote it. Pages one through five, a super fight scene. You know? Because it's just that thing of, like, all of a sudden, all the Marvel heroes get catapulted at the Celestial, the Rogue Celestial and his Rogue Celestial offspring or whatever. They just kind of get thrown at him like rice at a wedding or something. And I'm just like, how are these people? And then you see them in the air, like punching and stabbing things. And I'm like, aren't they going to fall and die? Like, it just sort of is that weird thing of... Uh, I feel like if you took the if you took Secret War two and you literally animated it and then showed it to to kids in the seventies who were watching the Super Friends, they would be like, "What is this fucking shit?" You know, like they're kind of like <laughs> Melvin, Wendy, and Wonder Dog, and Z- Zan, Jaina, and Gleek all seem much more tied into to understanding DC than this thing that was clearly written by someone who just flipped through like Marvel's catalog of available characters, but didn't feel like reading the descriptions of what they could do. Oh, it's so bad. Graham, I really have to say, I was like, Oh yeah. You know, I was kind of crapping all over in humans versus X-Men. Number one. I'm like, it was arguably better than what I read in four issues of civil war. And again, it's just kind of that feeling of like, that's like Bendis is there, is there, is their top gun, you know, like say what you will about Jeff Johns. And I, God knows, I feel like I've said a lot here. I at least feel like the guys, like, even if he's going through the paces, he's going through the paces because those are the paces that he feels works and works for the character. You know what I mean? Like he's sort of, but Bendis is just kind of like, I don't know. He's just like that terrible guy who gets up at the poetry slam and is kind of like decides he's going to wing it, you know? And it's, (laughs) and yet still is one of Marvel's most successful writers. Yeah. Well, which I think really is. let, Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, because uh, you probably haven't looked at this, the solicits for the first three issues of Secret Empire, mm-hmm. uh, all of which are coming out in May, because apparently Secret Empire is a fucking weekly comic. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I, a, again, Marvel is trying to flood the market. B, I genuinely think Marvel is trying to get Secret Empire over as quickly as possible. I think so, yeah. Here's, But we all know what Secret Empire is about, right? Secret Empire is the Cap Hydra story. Right. Or is it... Here's the solicits for the first three issues, Jeff. Okay. Just to go towards your what is actually happening. Issue one, 
It's been building for months across a bevy of titles, but now the moment has arrived for Steve Rogers to step into the light and declare his allegiance to Hydra. How can the heroes of the Marvel Universe cope with this shattering betrayal of the most trusted figure amongst them? And what will this mean for the world? The map of the Marvel Universe changes in ways nobody will expect. Trust the secret empire. So far, so good, right? Sure. When I say good, eh, but... Eh, but but on point, eh, right? Sure. Yeah. Issue two. And again, all of these came out at the same time. Yes. All these lessons. Issue two. Enshrouded in darkness, plagued by the minions of Baron Mordo, and cut off from all assistance, the Defenders and Doctor Strange struggle to save the lives of the innocent people consigned to this hell on Earth. Will Dagger prove to be the key in stopping this nightmare? Meanwhile, will the appearance of a new hero provide Iron Man with the key to Captain America's startling change? The Secret Empire will defend you. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like a totally different comic? It's like I mean, a totally yeah. different comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. If you had brought in the other part with the, until they, like, a new hero's revealed who. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Here's issue three. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Under constant attack from wave after wave of invading Chowturi alien, sorry, aliens, Captain Marvel and the Deep Space Task Force under her command is waging a war of attrition, one they might be able to survive. And back on Earth, things aren't looking too rosy for Hawkeye and his band of renegade heroes either. But don't worry, the Secret Empire will avenge you. Oh. What the f*** is happening in this comic? Yeah. It it sounds like everyone was like, remember when they were making fun of those taglines? They're like, ah, we're doubling down on that one. Um, what was the one that was so badly done that you drew attention to? Was it- oh, it's the X Men one. The, uh, the Secret Empire is exciting, or the, the oh, what is the Secret Empire? Is it uncanny. Um, no, it's not. It's because it, it's exciting with an X. Oh, got it. Thank you. Will excite you. Uh, but it's not because that like that would have made sense. There's what there's what no because there's one that abandons the right. Like, and I think it was the X Men. We'll blank you. Yeah, we'll blank yeah. you. <laughs> oh man! You know hey everyone, I it's I know. But the worst part is I'm like oh match Empire. game. I'm I I've moved into my dotage and I'm loving it. I'm like <sighs> oh okay. Said the tagline are the Secret Empire will amaze you. The Secret Empire will avenge you. The Secret Empire will champion you. The Secret Empire will defend you. The Secret Empire will guard you. And we live in exciting times. <laughs> Secret Empire. <laughs> well, okay. So maybe that's the key. How many? How many taglines are there? There's six. And and the uh, it's a six issue miniseries. It's a nine issue miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm like, fuck it. Why am I trying to defend these people anyway? Yeah, you're like, no, you're it's like, like, I did nothing. But aren't, like, aren't those solicits amazing? Because yeah. they all sound like they're from different books. But the fact that all the solicits are revealed at the same time also makes you think, well, if any of this was meant to be a surprise within the story, you've blown it with the solicits. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I, I, and I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I agree. I, I think that the solicits, I think what they're, I feel like what Marvel's trying to do, and I could be wrong, is is that they are trying to change their habits now that their habits haven't worked out for them. And in the past, they have taken solicits that have revealed nothing and ran those out for issues, you know? Oh, don't, don't worry. They have one of those as well. Secret Empire Uprising, number one. 
that solicit is classified. Oh, the Secret f- Empire will champion you. <laughs> Does, is it really classified, and then the Secret Empire will champion? The Secret you? Empire will champion. Yes, yes, that's exactly it. Jesus Christ. Uh, and then you get Captain America, Steve Rogers, issue 17, Secret Empire t- tie-in in Cap We Trust. <laughs> yep, that's all in caps. That's why I'm saying it like that. It's all in caps. Wow. Uh, then you get a U.S. Avengers tie-in, a Captain America, Sam Wilson tie-in, Doctor Strange tie-in uh, with a new ongoing creative team because, okay. Uh, Ultimates 2. Secret Empire tie-in, Deadpool Secret Empire tie-in, The Mighty Captain Marvel Secret Empire tie-in, Secret Warriors, the new Inhuman series, which starts with two, two issues of Secret Empire tie-in. Uh, and then, is that it for Secret Empire tie-ins? I think it is, because then you get three new Guardians of the Galaxy books launching in the same month. Then you get uh, three new X-Men books launching in the same month, one of which double ships. Then you get uh, Black Bolt's new issue, a uh, new series, Luke Cage new series, something called Zombies Assemble, two issues of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 See, I mean, it really does. I mean, l- listening to that, I would say like, yeah, I don't really, it doesn't sound like Marvel's really going to be rolling out that letter of apology to the retailers anytime soon. You know, like they're clearly still doing their usual we're going to swamp the marketplace and we're going to swamp the marketplace with stuff that's like, oh, the Guardians are coming out. Let's do three titles. It's it's just it's it's classic shitty Marvel uh, marketing and it's gotten them into trouble. And it sounds like they don't know what they're going to do. And again, generations and make my Marvel again. I just have that feeling of like they're not going to do anything different. They're going to say they're going to do different things. But part of it is, I think, part of it is all this event stuff that they keep doing anyway is like a kind of a big mistake, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I was you know? I was surprised, or not surpri- surprised is probably not the right way of putting it. Mm-hmm. But um, they cancelled, I think, eleven books, based, but they haven't said they cancelled them. Like they just didn't show up in the solicits. Wow. And noticed this and marvel still has said nothing uh but the creating the things uh, are cancelled so what is missing uh paraman and iron fist which we knew was ending mm. because it's being split up into luke cage and iron fist titles respectively mm-hmm. uh silk is done hellcat is done world of Wakanda seems to be done even though i'm fairly sure that's not true but maybe they're going to relaunch it. Uh, Ghost Rider is apparently done. Silver Surfer is missing, but I think that might be because it's running really late and they just stopped soliciting issues. Uh, Great Lakes Avengers has disappeared. Gamora has disappeared. Thunderbolts has disappeared. And Deadpool Mercs for Money has disappeared. Which is a chunk. Yeah. Chunk of stuff. Yeah. But again, this is the weird thing. Marvel's in this weird zone where... There's marketing, and then there's the weird Marvel machismo version of marketing, where it's like they're not because they have to have the pissing rights. They can't say that they canceled twelve titles, even though the. Uh, what's that? I I was going to say that something that annoyed me was um, I have since seen oh, oh Black Widow's done as well, mm. uh, but I have I have since seen creators for Black Widow and Hellcat, and I want to say another title, I can't remember, all say the book ended in our terms. 
And I just like part of me wants to be like, that's bullshit. Right. Like that's clearly bullshit. You can't tell me that Marvel really thought a Black Widow series with Chris Samney and Mark Wade is going to only run twelve issues. Right. Well, or I mean, I think what... or if they did, they yeah. would have said ahead of time. Oh, which reminds me, have you also heard that Marvel is going to reissue Vision uh, as a director's cut, uh, the entire fucking series? No. Yep. Two issues, uh, two issues of the original series per issue of this new series. It's going to be a six-issue reprint series, uh-huh. and it's launching like June, I think. Wow, that sounds terrible. What's the director's cut version of that? They're running script pages? There's be, yeah, there's going to be script pages as well, I think. Wow. But isn't that, doesn't that sound desperate? Oh, it sounds completely desperate. But that's the weird thing about Marvel is, is they keep doing this desperate stuff while insisting that they're not desperate. And it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, I just think it's going to bite them in the ass. I don't think they're going to maneuver their way out of this. I really don't because they're not even trying to like – they're just not owning up to things. Their, their standard has always been like, we're Marvel. We don't have to own up to this shit. You know, you guys are going to stick around for us. And and I just think that the once the readers stop showing up, the retailers are like – they're like, we're doing what we can. But frankly, no one's coming in and buying the books. We're taking baths on this stuff. So, yeah, I think – I mean, that's – it's just that's terrifying. Mhm. Mhm. You know, because then then the direct market's fucked. The direct market's fucked, but it's one of the things that really frustrates me is is a lot of the direct market's fucked because because they didn't we've had 3 or 4 years in which people had the potential to different to to spread to out change, their line to switch up yeah. yeah you know where people who were who made money on on Marvel or DC stuff they could have turned around and started hand selling their customers on on image books they could have been hand selling and the good good stores do do that but you know there's a lot of stores that just took the path of least resistance and. As the sales started tumbling, they were kind of like, uh, we'll pull out of it sooner or later. Like they, and so the thing that bothers me is, is that if the direct market is really fucked, there's never been, I think, a worse excuse for the direct market to be fucked. You know, like, oh, I, I'm not saying it's not the direct market's fault, but, but we've said this before. If Marvel goes down, the direct market goes down. No, I know, I I know, but the part that the part that bothers me is is that I feel like that's always been true, you know, of the direct market, and I feel like if ever there was a time where that could might not have been true, it would have been over these last three years, you know, if yeah. people had yeah. moved. No, I, yeah, I I I think I think like basically since the uh, fuck New Fifty Two since twenty eleven. Has been the best time to like push people, push readers in different directions. Yeah, it's like and, push them into the new fifty-two, not. and then when that stuff wasn't working out, there were a lot of people who made the jump to images stuff. You know, I think things are a little been a little worrisome because I feel like images uh, role has kind of slowed a little bit, kind of, and there hasn't. It might be harder to find a new marketplace, you know, new 
to, to move those people, I guess, but not necessarily. There's still lots of little indie stuff. Like you don't have to be like a, a boom zombie or an IDW zombie to find titles in there that if you enjoyed some of the stuff from image, you would be enjoying that stuff as well too. You know what I mean? Like the, the money could have been spread out. It didn't have to get folded back in, you know, into various Marvel title stuff and, and Marvel, you know, aggressive, uh, variant covers. And, you know, there's just, there was a lot of, a lot of shit that didn't need to happen, you know, because Mostly, I want to put the, stress the quotes on that. Mostly, there has been um, there's been other titles out there, you know. Um, you know how you were saying the other week that um, we, you know, basically, uh, I made some some untoward comments about Warren Ellis, and you're like, oh, thank God that we've you know grown past. I've grown past this, and you know we're not bashing Matt Fraction, I feel a little weird, the flip side of that, that, like, there's so few issues of Bitch Planet and Sex Criminals out, and it's not really being talked about? Or is it being talked about in some other... No, it's 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 not. It's not being talked about. Wait, but, uh... Oh, I'm, I'm torn. Mm-hmm. Because part of me is like, you only have to look at the lack of output from Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, over the last two years, mm-hmm. to see that his at best his attention is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's working on the TV stuff, right? He's definitely not working on the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see, uh, God, what is the name of the artist who does Odyssey with? He does Odyssey with Christian something. Oh yeah, mm. but he's now doing Black Bolt at Marvel. Mm-hmm. He's now doing an ongoing series at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I cannot believe that he would be doing that if there were scripts for him for Odyssey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if, to be fair, Kelly Sue is literally showing up on TV. You know, she's writing Emerald City. She's got a new show in development with uh, NBC, I think. Um, so, sure, that's why that's where Bitch Planets disappeared, too. But to, at the same time, Bitch Planets disappeared. Yeah. Pretty it, Deadly has totally disappeared. Yeah, well, I, I feel like Pretty Deadly had a, an issue out recently, but but it, yeah. I would say it came out with like three issues. But yeah, yeah. So so I just have that there there is kind of that feeling of like a lot of these. I don't, I don't know about a lot, you know, because I'm not really I'm not really tracking it. People, the people that I think of, you can s- certainly say that you know Gillen and McKelvey are continuing to show up with Wicked and Divine. That Rick Remender seems very committed to his titles. I think it, I don't know. I don't I, know. I also, like, feel like he's kind of disappeared. But I also, feel he, like has, he has too. But like, I wasn't paying like, attention. Shit. Mm-hmm. But shit actually happened with him. Like, I seem to remember he actually had a public statement that was along the lines of, "Like, personal shit is going down." Mm-hmm. Uh, around the time when he left Marvel, that he was basically like, "Shit is happening, and I have had to really consider how I'm spending my time." Mm-hmm. And so, like, as part of this, I'm stepping away from the work for hire stuff. So I'm, you know, again, I'm like, well, it, it's kind of understandable. And the same with Brubaker. Brubaker's uh, comics work is really cut back as well, and that's because he's also working in television. Well, okay. I'm sorry. My thing is is that it, you have, re- although Remender stepped away from the work for hire stuff, 
as far as I know, he was still doing two or three titles at Image. Maybe those have all wrapped. But well, no, that's what that's why I, I guess what I'm saying. Like, I feel like they also disappeared. And they they may and they've have, not they've not wrapped. They're coming yeah. back because I've definitely seen him talk about them recently. Yeah, but but and Brubaker when he left Marvel, he was only maybe doing two titles you know like he was doing velvet and whatever his sean phillips title was and he's still kind of doing that they're like six issues into well no but they're six issues into killer be killed and there was only like a few months off from that so you know maybe i'm being a little overly defensive i'm like no 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 i mean he i I, i'm sort of like i feel that you know i don't you've Brian Vaughn has been has been pretty rock solid, and of course he's actually doing two titles, you know. And you've still got Kirkman doing four, even if only one of them is is selling. And uh, you know, it's but but a lot of those guys just kind of took a powder. I feel I feel like um, Southern Bastards. I don't know what's going on with their publication schedule, but I managed to more or less. I think I'm all but caught up with with that series and you know and i basically let it slide for like i don't know what like a a year or two years um after the first arc and then suddenly i'm like i've you know it's 18 months later i buy two trades one issue and i'm basically up to date i'm like that doesn't seem right to me you know like so for myself, I I, I don't have I don't I, have I, enough I, reference. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm actually looking up the release dates now. Um, Southern Bastards. Let's see. Southern Bastards is on issue sixteen as mm-hmm. we speak, mm-hmm. which came out this January. Mm-hmm. Then fifteen came out in November. Then fourteen came out in May. Whew. Like that might have been like a break in in storyline type thing. Mm-hmm. Thirteen before that came out in January. However, mm-hmm. twelve came out in November. Before that, and before that, it was October, July, June, April. Mm-hmm. So they've had a very regular schedule. Yeah. Let's look up the recommend. Uh But no, I, I I see your point. I, I but also at the same, give him I give Southern Bastards more of a pass because both of them are working on Marvel books. Well, part of me is like, I, I see, part, I'm somewhere in between. Like, I'm kind of, do I give them more of a pass or do I give them less of a pass? You know, because there's that idea of like, they're able to do work. And, and maybe that there's that idea that we heard a lot of things when, when the image boom seemed to be happening, where a lot of creators were like, hey, you know, I remember Gillen saying something like, if you're selling 20,000 copies of your comic through Image, you are basically able to, to buy your friend's drinks, you know, and it's more or less expected because you're the bastard with money. And anything above that gets crazy. And, of course, you know, Vaughn, who was talking about when Saga was selling around 50,000 copies or whatever, was saying that he was clearing way more money than he ever made at, at Marvel or DC. So part of me is like, I I have a lot of frustration with Bendis. I, I think a, a lot of glow uh, came, came off. Um, gee, I did that wrong. The bloom came off the rose for me Be, around the time that he just powers was not being 
publish regularly, and it really seemed like they were like, yeah, it's just... oh yeah, his yeah his his schedule is is um, stunningly bad for his creator on stuff. I want to say Brilliant hasn't still finished its first arc. Oh, really? See, and that's my kind yeah, of Brilliant thing. Is like, fuck yeah. this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Rick Remander, by the way, Deadly Class was monthly up until. April last year, then June, September, November, November. That's right, two issues in November. Mm. December, February, and then it's being solicited monthly. Low, meanwhile, disappeared mm-hmm. uh, between August last year and March. Oof. Literally just disappeared. Wow. And that's, of course, a solicit for March. We don't know if it's going to come out. So the remainder books, let's look in on... Uh, Bitch Planet, just wait, Bitch Planet. Oh, Bitch Planet is, yeah, that'll terrify you. Well, I I, probably know Bitch Planet's been coming in one thing, we don't know. (laughs) Uh, All these days, by the way, are from the the Image website. Mm -hmm. Um, Bitch Planet. Uh, No, Bitch Planet. Bitch Planet disappeared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Bitch Planet's uh, dates are November, June, and then February. So yeah, it's it's going like significant times between between issues. Yeah, and then uh, fraction because he's got like three books, right? Or satellite uh, Sam still going? Satellite Sam, I think, finally concluded, and I think that was that was one where they cranked out the most number of issues. I think in the shortest period of time. I think Christian Ward is the name of the guy from Odyssey. Thank you. Um, Odyssey Odyssey might be done. Mm. says here that it's not come out since October. Wow. And that was issue 12. Uh, October, September, March, January. Those are all the 2016 issues. Mm. So maybe it's done for all we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casanova, which has never had a good schedule, mm-hmm. goes March, November, July, June. Wait. Uh, and then before June... Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, March 2017 is the next solicited issue. Mm-hmm. Last issue that came out was November 2016. Before that, July 2016. Before that, June 2016. Before that, September 2015. Before that, July 2015. March 2015. January 2015. Wow. Wait, but that's... so. It's was that all of the... one arc or whatever? I thought they... Yeah, it's oh all, that's all of one arc. They're still in Aceta issues. So in the two years since the release of the first issue of this volume, mm-hmm. it has managed to get out seven issues. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. And uh, and Sex Criminals? Because Sex Criminals is the one where sex I... Sex Criminals. I knew that there was one that was missing. Mm-hmm. Come on. Sex, crim- sex Criminals showing up. Okay. Sex Criminals. Come on. Sex Criminals. That also disappeared for a while, right? Mm-hmm. We're about to find out. Sex Criminals release. Yeah, it disappeared for almost a year. Mm-hmm. From April 2016 to this month. Mm-hmm. April 2016 yeah. to this month. Yeah. Yeah. And before that, there was some, some gaps too, I think, right? Uh, yeah. It went April 2016, February 2016, October 2015, mm-hmm. September 2015. July 2015, January 2015. Ooh. Oof. So yeah, that's that's um, 
those those are those are worrisome numbers. Those are those are some worrisome like once again image may well have hit the the stumble that image seems to hit. Like they they go to that period where they suddenly are looking at more than 10% market share in in the of the direct market and then and then people stop turning out the books and then the numbers kind of drop. I mean, it is like That's part of me. Thing, is, it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 really like the echo of the original image launch, which is you have the big names and the titles are getting people really in, interested and excited, and they then disappear from the schedule, yeah. and you get lesser known books, which may or may not be good. I, I would argue in the the case of the 1990s, nah, not so much. Mm-hmm. But you know, the image is putting out some good stuff now, yeah. but it just doesn't do as well. Like it it doesn't feed the need. Well, it doesn't feed the need, but there's also that sense of like, you just don't, there's an erosion of trust, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. Why should I start buying this comic? It might disappear. Yeah. I mean, because that's what happens across the board with the rest of this image stuff. You know, it's like, it's there, it's not there. I mean, the books that have, that have done, cons- that have managed to do very, Walking Dead shipped, but, like, they would have their late months, but they would then jump and try and hustle and, you know, it, like, Kirkman went through periods of, of crazy fits of trying to get 12 issues out in a year. Like, you know, to the, to the point of, he be- technically made it under, but he clearly apparently felt that that was serious, that was a serious thing you know that was something Mm -hmm. that he had to take seriously and you know even even saga is the break schedules built into it and as far as i know they've stuck with it you know so i i don't know i don't know i just part of me is kind of like i was saying all this stuff of like yeah it's it's the retailers faults that they had didn't you know move people out to the more interesting stuff but part of it's like yeah but 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 you know, uh, more interesting stuff doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be image. No, like, no, no, no. You no. could go mm-hmm. to. Uh, I've said this for like you know letter forty four or something, which I like, and it's a monthly fucking comic, mm-hmm. and it's a monthly comic. Mm-hmm. It comes out every month, right? You know, or you. Could, I mean. I was going to say you could go to Dynamite Books, but Dynamite Books all die within five issues. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of pissed <laughs> by that because, like, the Flash Gordon series, I, I actually really like that's been going on right now mm-hmm. and is dead after five issues. Mm-hmm. And also feels very much like it was such a fast wrap-up. Like, it, it felt like someone was like, you only have five issues after all. I know you've plotted through issue four, but you have to wrap it up. Hey, I hate that. Like, that person got a, a better pass than six million Dollar Man season six oh, you're, or whatever. You're, oh yeah, like, well see fucker. that's it. I'm like, <laughs> uh, part of me is I, that's that deal of like if you if you break that contract with the reader, why does the reader give you any loyalty? Yeah. And and just as much so, um, if you're if you're a direct retailer, if you're somebody who actually took the time to sell six million dollar Man season six. You know, and we're like, yeah, I've got a lot of really old grotty guys who hang out here at the comic book cavern. And I actually, you know, maneuver them into six million dollar man season six so that, you know, I've got like 30 people reading it. Like, because you're the only store that has that dynamite's like, well, look, sorry, we're clearly losing money, but we're going to we've already put out several trades, but we're just going to pretend this never happened. OK, and it's like that the, the people are like, you know what? 
if I if I wanted this shitty treatment, I could have stayed with Marvel, you know. And I, I do feel that there is something. I feel sorry for the people who have whatever those goddamn bitch planet tattoos are. You know what? What was it? It was uh, compliant. Yeah, but right? but 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 they, non-compliant. But no. they don't feel sad about it. That's the thing that's fascinating to me. Uh, they don't. Like, yeah, at this point is essentially is essentially no. But bitch planet is essentially vaporware at this yeah. point. Yes. Yeah. Like it's exactly. it's got less. It's got less than ten issues out. Mm-hmm. The you know the publication schedule has been, let's be kind, slow over the last year. Right. Right. Who knows when there's going to be another issue out? Mm-hmm. If there's going to be another issue out. Mm-hmm. But the audience that loved Bitch Planet loved Bitch Planet so much they don't care. That's what's fascinating to me. Well, I don't think they care yet, but I think they will at some point. I really do. And part of me is kind of, I think that that also makes me really uncomfortable when you encourage an audience, when you build an audience and spend a lot of time talking how, about how important the audience is. And then you, you duck out on the book. I can understand if people are going to, you know, be like, Hey man, listen, I've got a house and I've got kids and I've got a mortgage payment and I've got these opportunities in Hollywood. And frankly, if I can get into the fucking writer's guild, screenwriters guild, I've got health benefits. Like you can't even imagine like health benefits that I've literally been dreaming about for over a decade. But part of me is still kind of like, yeah, but you still kind of, bait and switched your audience you kind of built in an audience that that you know you said that you were going to honor because they were honoring you and then you kind of stuck them with the bag you know and that kind of that that bothers me part of me is like i think it would be a drag if there was an episode of bitch planet that suddenly wrapped everything up in a like oh we're kind of doing something kind of grant morrison-y like right kids and and suddenly it's you know done and over and everyone's like what the fuck just happened but there's also part of me that just seems a little um i just i just the, i guess the other part is, is again I, I mean i'm not paying enough attention to 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 all those comic book sites that aren't giving a lot of comic coverage but i i'm not really seeing anyone being like where the fuck is this stuff and what the, what happened and why, why aren't you doing this? You know, because I feel like that's, those aren't necessarily uh, invalid questions, but I worry that everyone's like such fans of the creators and, or that it's considered, you know, bad for team comics to actually be like, why the fuck is this is this book that's been out for three years only on issue seventeen, particularly when it was you know monthly for the first year? You know, like what's what's going on? You know, I think uh, I think people don't ask that question because they don't want to know the answer. Yeah, I think I think that, I I think that's probably well. I think that's true. They either don't want to know the answer, or again, they don't want to. Um, I think they just kind of don't want to put the people that they have a lot of respect for in a bad position. You know what I mean? There's still I, I, there's yeah, a I, lot of I think, fans. I think those two things. Are, I think those two things are connected. Yeah, I think so. You know. You know, I because I I think that I think best case scenario is you ask a question like that, like you say, "Hey, Matt Fraction, where like what has happened to the schedule of your comics?" Mm-hmm. And because like it's clearly you. Right. All your comics are 
like not only miles of schedule but have disappeared. Right. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's no. A, there's no real friendly way to ask that, which, mm-hmm. you know, in part means that lots of people just aren't going to ask the question. Mm-hmm. But also, the 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 answer's going to be uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no way of saying. Well, there's no good answer. Because well, there could be, there could be good answers. Even if the answer. Mm-hmm. But what is the good answer? Because even the, even if the answer is, I'm making a shit ton of money writing Casanova the movie, and I just haven't told you about it, right? Right. Well, that's not a good answer. Then, I mean, that's not a quote unquote good answer. But yeah, sure. I mean, you know what well, I'm saying? Like, so, mm-hmm. well, what's a good answer? That's that's what I'm saying. Because any answer you give is going to be either I don't care enough about this comic to work on it when more lucrative things are available. Right. Or, like, my life is shit. Well, Do you know what I mean? Like, I, there's no good answer. Well, that. you know what? The, the, I think the problem is is that there is no good answer, but you can sometimes break out the, oh, my life is shit, and people are like, oh, okay, you know, that's that's understandable. You know, I mean, it's kind of frustrating, but, you know, but understandable. Because I feel like there is a little bit of the, the, the secret... This, this, the, it's harder to spin the other end of things, which is like, well, this opened a lot of doors for me, and I realized that I had to go through those doors, and this was really my only opportunity, because if I didn't go through this door and take this chance, um, the only thing left for me, if the sales continued to drop on the book the way that they were dropping, um, you know, meant that I was going to have to be going back to Marvel or trying to get work from DC in three years. And I just didn't want to do that. You know, it's, but how do I put it? Like, I feel like there were periods and eras where people had to ask that question or had to answer it. You know, there's a lot, there's some of our favorite writers, Graham, left comic books in the, like, in the seventies, burning massive amounts of bridges, and then were quietly back in the early eighties, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Trooping away. Yeah, no, I, I, I mm-hmm. and, 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 but I, um, if Amazing uh, Heroes wasn't asking them, com- the Comics Journal was. If the Comics Journal didn't think that it was, you know, beneath the Comics Journal's attention, you know, Amazing Heroes usually swooped around and was like, so, hey, what, like, what's the deal? You said you were never going to be back, and you're back. And that one's an even harder question, because those are, those are people who had to be like, yeah, I tried, I tried to do this, and I failed, or I had a couple of years in animation, and I didn't like the lack of um, creative freedom, you know? Like, all of a sudden, you heard people talking yeah. about creative freedom again, and they were back. You know, which in some cases actually made sense because then when they really did have their creative freedom yanked out from under them, um, they were really pissed and, and, and did quit the books, you know, again in the eighties. Yeah. But I, I, for me, I'm just sort of like, like, I feel like people like there has been variations on this before and I, and I'm, I'm a little just. Not paying attention. Again, maybe part of it is my whole thing of like, God damn it, Graham, how dare you tease me about heroin in the eye? It's a perfectly valid joke, you know, but part of me is kind of like, I, I do wonder like back when everyone was giving us like, Hey, you're asking, you know, you're, you're being too hard on these people. It's like, 
where are they? Like you were everyone else, like softballed them right out of the industry, you know? And part of me is like, that's also, that's fine. Like I, at least I'm at the, maybe because I'm at the age of people being like, when you publish your own comic book, you have to have a certain steady stream of money, uh, you know, or else like a, your children don't eat and you can't publish your comic book. Like I'm, kind of okay with that like you know because whatever again like i said with jason aaron the whole thing with with bendis was he was like i can't publish powers right now because stuff and meanwhile he was writing six titles for marvel it wasn't it wasn't like and he was and he was their best-selling writer so it wasn't like he didn't have the cash to actually keep it going he was he just didn't have faith in the product he didn't have faith in the what in the project or because I always looked at it as he's too busy writing the fucking Marvel stuff to work in powers. Well, but that's the thing because because instead of doing four, he's you know he's doing six instead of doing three. You know he's doing. Uh, I mean, instead of doing five, he, he could be doing three. You know, I'm sort of part of me is like eh, okay, whatever. I, whatever I'm going to say about like I don't. Uh, I'm not. You know, whatever's happening with Jason Aaron, I'm like. He's writing a few. He's writing two series for Marvel, and he's writing two series for Image. You know, I'm a little worried about, or maybe more. I don't know. But you know, he's got the goddamned, and he's and he's got uh, he's got Southern bastards. Whatever else is going on with him, like J- Jason Latour has to draw a book, and he's also writing Spider Gwen. Like, like okay, maybe you know. But I do have that mm-hmm. period where a lot of it is like. You guys had you you were literally put up on a stage and having pictures taken of you and being like, "Hey, you're the future of comics," you know. Fucking Eric Stevenson like got up and pissed off the comic book industry like three fucking separate times just to celebrate you guys. Like, what well, that? Did, but but that's what he does. Also, it's fascinating to me. That there's no Image Expo this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I there's think it is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which it, which feels like they're like oh we've we've realized that like we we are also just announcing vaporware <laughs> like we we actually can't get away with this forever yeah and um, we've done it for like five times now it's maybe time to stop there's only so many times you can get up and be like this is going to be the greatest book and it's going to come out soon right soon maybe <laughs> two or three years from now <laughs> and there might only be a couple of issues but it's going to be the greatest thing on earth aren't you excited yeah exactly Here's Eric Stevenson wanting to receive jobs. <laughs> um, I, it's it's funny it's funny that you're saying all this about Aaron because this week I was after the Marvel's list came out I was like I wonder if Jason Aaron's going to do a Kieran Gillen and leave Marvel with the exception of the Star Wars work because he's off Doctor Strange as of May mm-hmm. Thor is clearly clearly coming to a conclusion soon um, and so I wonder if he's going to like be like okay I've done my big Thor run that lasted like six years I mm-hmm. uh, you know I did X-Men for a while. I did Doctor Strange. And I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do Star Wars for as long as they're, you know, going to pay me the big Star Wars money. Uh, and other than that, I am going to do image books. Might be. Or it might be. Or he's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do my image books slash I've got, you know, a really strong offer on, on a scalped pilot. And, you know, I'm going to be working just, my ass they, off on that. They are they are doing scalp TV. You know that, right? No, no, I didn't, but I assume. Yeah, they really are. AMC or someone is doing scalp TV, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's where I think that that might be going, frankly. Because, again, 
it's like you're going to see money from that. And honestly, I've heard from very reputable sources. The fucking health plan is great, is really, really good, you know? And uh, after several years of freelancing and or the potential end of the, you know, the ACA, maybe people are kind of like, hey, I got to I got to look out for that, you know? So, well, and you can't, you can't blame them. I mean, you really can't. Eh, can't you? But, but doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't the um, doesn't the Marvel exclusive come with health deal? Like, isn't that the argument lots of people were making for taking the, ex- the exclusive deals in the first place? Uh, could be, could be. I thought it was a guaranteed page rate, and yeah, you you get health care. That used to be the situation way back when. So yeah, um, you know, and then of course the exclusives seem to to dry up a little bit as I. I think there's only a few at each company now, right? Or am I yeah. mistaken in that? Oh, uh, DC is doing DC is doing a lot more these days. Since Rebirth, DC's been doing a bunch. Okay, but is Marvel really doing any? It, I don't know. I mean, I know that they re-signed Bendis as an exclusive recently. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, right. Well, okay. So anyway, that might, like at this point, Bendis honestly might have some weird deal where like he just gets re-upped no matter what. <laughs> He's going to be like Stanley. Or Chris Claremont. Like, Chris Claremont is being paid to not write comics. It's still the funniest thing to me. Yeah, that's... Is that... Wasn't that only for a brief period? That did end, right? No, it's... No, it's still ongoing. Chris Claremont is still being paid money not to write comics. He's still got, like, the Marvel yes. exclusive and not being given anything? Yes. How, yes. how do you know that? Did they announce a re-up? Because that's been years. Well, but that was several he years ago, publicly, wasn't it? No, he said it publicly, like, in the last year. Holy shit. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that, that's been all that time, Jeff. Chris Claremont has been Marvel exclusive since 2000. And think about how many Chris Claremont comics you've read since 2000. Oh, man. Oh, man. Holy smokes. Wow. So think about that. Like, Marvel is actually spending money on people <laughs> to not write comics. <laughs> huh. You know, honestly, all I can say is, Marvel, if you're listening, think about swapping out Chris Claremont and Brian Bendis' plan for just one year. For just one year. Pay Brian Bendis to not write comics. Pay Chris Claremont to write all of Brian Bendis' comics. Let's see what happens. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be something? Chris Claremont does the Defenders and Alias. And it's not called Alias anymore, is it? It's it's actually called Jessica Jones. It's it's called Jessica Jones. uh, And he can write. He can write. Uh, Iron Man and, uh, you know. And uh, other Iron Man. Right, and other Iron Man. Um, boy, yeah, part of me is like, yeah, Chris Claremont's like, oh, Riri Williams? Yeah, I could be, I'm all, I'm into that. She's now a bartender at an exclusive New York nightclub that she's going to find out is the Hellfire Club. <laughs> exactly. And then the Shi'ar will come down and the Shadow King will return. <laughs> Riri Williams is not only a genius, but she's a genius who has the only the only person who can psychically fight the Shadow King. Oh yeah, that's great. And then Professor X will come back from dead, but she'll call him Charlie. <laughs> she'll call she'll call him Cha Cha. It's very important that everyone has like a different nickname for uh, Charles Xavier. You know, she's going to call him Cha Cha X. Honestly, I have to say. 
Marvel, if you really want to do that, uh, that period where like Charles Xavier not only could walk, but was a competitive ballroom dancer, call me. Cha-Cha X. Coming this fall for Marvel. Well, come on. He did the part where he was playing baseball and not baseball, basketball all the time. Was he? Yeah. Was that, that like uh, the Jim Lee the, issues or something or what was it? No, that? it was the Romita run. The Romita run. He comes back. The, oh, what yeah. happens is right, right. Xavier actually dies, mm-hmm. but is given an all new alien cloned body, cloned which, body can which can walk. That's right. Remember? And I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. And so he's actually out there playing baseball with the rest of them for one of those games or something, right? He, he's playing basketball. Is there an issue? I remember very clearly. He's playing basketball by himself and shooting hoops. And then he, of course, he gets like a psychic attack, and he's like, "Ah, my brain, Gene, my brain." Of course, Gene wasn't around then. Whatever, Storm, my brain, Scott, where are you, my brain? My legs, my brain, my legs, my brain. Graham McMillan, we've been talking uh, for a while now. Technically, has it been? It's been something really close to two hours. We had a slight break in between. We're probably heading towards the two hours. Also, I've started doing the my brain, my legs, my brain, my legs. So it might be time to wrap it up. Is what you're saying? <laughs> well, the worst part is I'm like, we could go down this route for a long way, but part of me was like, maybe we should do that sort of thing that we've been doing, where we actually talk about the comic books we've been reading, however briefly. And then, you know, and then get ready to... to yeah, actually, I want to talk about something else that is not the comic books I've been... I want to talk about something that is not the comic books I've been reading, okay. but something I got in the mail that that excited me more than any comic book I've read recently. Oh, boy. I got the Nobrow catalog in the mail Ooh. today. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's Nobrow's book imprint, Flying Eye Books. And I shit you not when I say that not only is this the most attractive catalog I've seen in my life, but... The kids' book mm-hmm. imprint is everything in there is so much more exciting to me than anything I've seen in comics in years. Wow! It's just visually more interesting. Uh, it's conceptually more interesting. All that, and I was like, "Oh fuck, comics! I just want to read kids' books now <laughs> because they're just they're, they're. I mean, the artwork is astoundingly gorgeous." Like, really, really, really beautiful and contemporary in a way that comic books, especially mainstream superhero comic books, just never are. And because it's not, like, superhero comics, Mm -hmm. there is, of course, going to be more conceptual breath in all of these things. Yeah, yeah. And so I honestly was like – like, the Nobrow catalog itself, uh, what Nobrow is coming out with, Mm -hmm. holy shit, there's some wonderful titles that they're coming out with. And and ones that you – like – if you'd said to me, are you really interested in the history of James Audubon, uh, John James Audubon, who founded the Audubon Society? I would have been like, no, actually, funny story, I'm not. <laughs> he lived like 200 years ago, and that's fine. He liked birds. But then I see the preview art. It's by um, uh, Fabian Grulu and Jérôme Royer. I'm probably mispronouncing all their names. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just, I mean, it's stunningly gorgeous. Like, breathtakingly beautiful. Wow. Uh, and they have uh, Garbage Night, which is a post-apocalyptic story about animal teenagers looking for garbage, which is hilarious. That sounds awesome. Uh, huh. Right? 
Hamish steals Pantheon, the true story of the Egyptian deities, uh, which honestly, the front page is uh, an Egyptian god kicking an, a Horus in the butt, <laughs> while an Egyptian woman at the bottom is covering her, is like doing a face palm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's all of this stuff just looks not only beautiful, and the kids' book especially just look beautiful. The artwork is staggeringly beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just looks more interesting than anything that comics is doing, you know? Mm-hmm. That you're, and you're just like, yeah, I, I screw comics. I want to read kids' books for a living. <laughs> well, there, there we go. Maybe that will happen. Who knows? Who knows what turns we can make here? You know? Who could tell? Um, but, yeah, that's, that's, that's honestly been more interesting. I, and I've read other comics that have been fine, but mm-hmm. the, the no bro thing has just bl- literally blew me away. Wow. Well, that sounds fabulous. Maybe, uh, maybe I should, uh, email Tucker Stone and, like, see if I can beg him for a copy of it and he'll ignore my emails. So, that'll be exciting. Uh, yeah, that sounds fabulous. Tucker, if you're listening, I think Jeff is just throwing the gauntlets in a wonderfully passive-aggressive manner. Oh, yeah. A bit too passive-aggressive a way. I, yeah, we'll see what happens. So, uh, well, that's lovely. I think that is great. Uh, I really, um, if you don't mind, snap some pictures and I'll throw it in the show notes. Yeah, I will do. I will do. Okay. Fablu. Did you did you also want to talk about comics or no? The only other comic I really want to talk about is the 2080 40th anniversary special, yeah. which uh, was was great. It, uh, but the reason I want to talk about it is the Zombo strip was everything I wanted. <laughs> Every sing. Have you seen it, Jeff? No, I was going to say, does it come out? Last did it come out last week or is it coming out this came out coming week? week? It okay. Came out last week, right? Um, the conceit is for the zombie strip is the first zombie strip ever was in the dummy issue of the first issue of two thousand eighty. Oh my god! And had too much thrill power <laughs> that of course they couldn't print. <laughs> and it, so it's it's Al Ewing and Henry Flint doing a story in the in the shape of Mach One. Oh man! So zombie is an acronym. It's a, an acronym. Oh my god! Uh, and if that doesn't sound great enough, and again, I'm going to spoil it, but I'm I'm not spoiling enough. Mm-hmm. But there is a metatextual element to it mm-hmm. that by the time you finish the story, mm-hmm. it's pretty much like, what if this was actually leading into the next Zombo strip after all? Wow! Wow! And you're like, well, why can't Zombo just continue now? <laughs> Why can't the rest of this comic just be so? Yeah, right. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, no. When... So yeah, it, it's great. Also, it, for for people looking for the issue, if you can get the uh, David Aha or Aja, however you say it, uh, dread cover, it's it's gorgeous, mm. it's lovely. Uh, yeah, it's so it's it's a really good issue. Uh, John Wagner and Carl Critchlow do a great dread in there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's I, it's super fun. I, it's it's one of the best things I've read recently. Wow, well that's fabulous. Yeah, I I saw you um, saw the excerpts on uh, the Wait What Tumblr, and I'm like, oh shit, I gotta get off. I gotta be on my game and actually get that issue, and then hopefully I still can. So that's uh, that's good to know. It's oh, it, it's not the weekly issue, so chances are it's going to be for sale for a while. Good. There was also a 2000 clay show this week as well. Oh, really? Yeah. 
Okay. That's, that's even better to know. So yeah, I mean, God only knows when I can, I haven't been to the comic book store again in like a month, maybe over a month. And I just, I have to get in there. In fact, when I was in New York, I was seeing all these books that I was like, Oh shit, is that out? Christ. I hope I ordered that slash. Oh shit. I almost (laughs) hope I didn't order that because it means it's been sitting in my box for like weeks and is, you know, essentially tying up valuable, expensive funds for, for my retailer. So yeah, I'm, I'm becoming a comic book liability. That's, that's me. So (laughs) what, what have you been reading with Jeff? Tell me. Okay. I will run down the list super quickly. I read uh, a mix of old and new and old and old stuff. Civil War two, one through four. Cause I hate myself. Uh, monthly girls, Nozaka, Nozaka-kun volumes three and four. And I didn't realize, but apparently volume five might've come out this week. So I'm delighted because I love that series. You might remember me from talking about it last week. I can't tell you how happy I was to see in the comments that Paul Spence picked up a volume and dug it. So that's excellent. Walking Dead issues 162 to 163. I guess 163 was the quarter issue. Kind of satisfying. Uh, All-Star Batman issues four and five, the wrap up of the John Romita Jr. stuff, which was insane and batshit and great. And it was literally sitting there in a stack of unread comics for like months. Uh, Commandy Challenge issue two, which you were totally right about Pete Tomasi, uh, doubling down on the Kirby. And in fact, the way that Tomasi, um, resolves the cliffhanger is so elegantly Kirby-esque. I was, I was really, really appreciative of that little move that he breaks out. Um, Hookjaw number three, I hate to admit it because I love Hookjaw so much and I have so much goodwill for Cy Spurrier, but the comic is a sludge. It's a slow moving dog that is just, when you think of the original Hookjaw stuff and how many people got eaten in like just five pages or three pages, Spurrier is doing his best to try and keep coming up with new characters and new scenarios. But honestly, it's one half the artist is not feeling it. And one half, I think he's not feeling it. He's incredibly reluctant you know that you're not in a great uh, situation when the best thing about an issue is the text pages in the back there. Don't get me wrong. The text pages about great white sharks is in the back of, of hook jaw um, three is awesome. And it also really does show that Spurrier did a lot of research on, on great whites, arguably to his detriment. It just may be that it's one of those things that you just can't have an evil great white shark anymore be, now that we know too much about them and they're an endangered <laughs> yeah. species. It's just not going to work, which is a shame. Suicide Squad number 12, uh, which I am continuing to really enjoy. God bless. Um, I went out on a limb and tried, uh, checked out uh, The Wicked and Divine, volume one uh, from Comixology Unlimited, and I... Um, I think it's like the first five issues, maybe the first six issues. I hated the first three so badly. I almost threw uh, my iPad across the room and I'm not, I'm really not exaggerating. And then later on today, I reread the last two issues uh, just so that I could say that I did it. And then I kind of liked those um, <laughs> a lot. So I don't oh, really, no, Jeff. really know. Yeah, I've 
got a, I've got an uncomfortable thing going on there. So I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do, but honestly, I really did not like those first three issues. And then the last two, I'm like, Oh man, this has kind of so much potential and there's so much great stuff here. And I mean, I always love McKelvey's art, so I don't know. Uh, Rom issues one through three. God, that would be an amazing goddamn TV show. Uh, Mr. Miracle issues one through four from 1971. The first eight issues, I think, maybe nine issues are available now on Comixology. I think they're surreptitiously uploading about three or four issues a week, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Um and the first four issues of Mr. Miracle is goddamn is so good. So good. There's so much great stuff that Kirby would do. And honestly, I'm not shitting. They should also do a fourth world TV show. Like DC has the rights, you know, to it. The first particularly the first two issues with of Mr. Miracle where Scott Free's past is very much a mystery and is sort of slowly teasingly being revealed and then, you know, really Kirby rips the bandage off in issues three and four, but I'm like, fuck between like the slow burn of Mr. Miracle and the very heavy mix of, you know, basically the human characters that, that Kirby didn't really know what to do with other than have them say their own names and what they did for a living in every issue for new gods. I'm like, you could really, you could take the bare bones of this and again, do a different kind of invasion story that would, that could really scale up in a way that's really exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but those first four issues are just, Oh my God, just so awesome. Uh, I've, I've told you before that Mr. Miracle, as far as I'm concerned, is like the best Saturday morning cartoon that's never existed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's actually a good goal. Actually, you say that and I still feel that Commandy is a, is a slightly better one, but maybe that's splitting hairs. But no, Mr. Miracle is, especially with his design, like there is something, I think I got to roll that back and sort at least agree with you as far as the setup and the design, particularly. Um, it's amazing that that costume works, but it, but it's glorious. But I mean, like it's, the colors are just insane. Um, 40 Coffins, which is something that I uh, checked out through Comixology Unlimited, put out by Space Goat Publishing. Uh, and amusingly enough, I'll try and put in the show notes. They have a uh, little seal in the bottom left-hand corner of the issue. It's one and done. You know, it's like so good, it doesn't even need an issue two, which I thought was a great little slogan. Uh, 40 Coffins is a great idea for a... Uh, maybe a movie, frankly, <laughs> but as comic books go is kind of, it doesn't live up to its premise, which is, uh, that the, there's in Bram Stoker's Dracula, there's a point where the ship, uh, comes to England. Dracula has basically hired a, sh hired a, 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 a ship to take him across the seas to England with all of his coffins full of dirt. And, the crew basically is killed off over the seas one by one. And when it gets, when it arrives in England, it's this great ghost ship that kind of like, you know, moves into the shores. And, uh, the Rob Rodolfo Santulo and the artist Jock have, I think a great kind of concept of why not tell the story of the sailors on that cruise and what happens to them. And it's, uh, you know, kind of this like potentially great 
horror story and it doesn't really pan out. Like it's, it's a 58 page comic. Uh, the art is pretty decent, but it's, it's, it ended up being very frustrating to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, come on. Any sort of spin twist. It's, it's the sort of high concept that you really do want to see like one of those like terrible, like, Oh, I went to Harvard, uh, screenwriters like take their hand at and, you know, put it through absolutely all of those formulaic twists. And then you give it a pretty decent director and you're like, that was a pretty good film in a dumb action movie kind of way. And it doesn't, it doesn't end up being that, which kind of sucks. Wonder Woman seven, Wonder Woman 77 meets the bionic woman. The first two issues of that again, comiXology unlimited. I had, I had, uh, I had very mixed feelings. I have to say it was kind of like on the one hand, I really appreciated what, uh, Andy, Andy Mangles did as far as serving the fan service for the bionic woman and wonder woman. At the same time, there was some weird combination of the art and weirdly enough, Tom Orzakowski is one of the two letterers. And yet I don't know if they're only letting him do like, I don't know what they're letting him do or if they bought one of his fonts or something, but it's the most clumsily lettered, like clearly just somebody with computer fonts, like slapping stuff on a page. So the production's a little distressing to me. It wasn't in parts. I was like, this is not really a professionally assembled comic, I think, um, which was weird. This, let me interrupt for a second. Have you read the, um, Batman 66, Wonder Woman 77 crossover? No, I did want to though, but, uh, how oh, it's that? so, it's great. Yeah. Part of the reason it's great is they play it totally straight for both series, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. So you get the camp of Batman 66 mm-hmm. and the different flavor of camp of Wonder Woman 77, and yet they're complementary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and also the, the, the format is, is super smart because they're doing the one room in existence in the forties mm-hmm. setup. So they're like, so obviously if one room exists in the forties, then Bruce Wayne met as a kid. Uh, nice. So let's do Bruce Wayne as a kid, mm-hmm. like fighting Nazis with one woman. Mm-hmm. And that then follows on to what Batman is doing as an adult mm-hmm. because Rachel Gould is the bad guy. Of course. Nice. And then they're like, but that means we have to go back to Wonder Woman, but it's the Batman 66 version of Paradise Island. Oh, nice. Right? So it's just all these really smart Mm -hmm. things. And it's it's Jeff Parker and Mark Andreco doing the writing. And so it's got that nice understated – it's not smirk exactly, but like they know the strengths of the material. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. And because of that, they know how to make – make fun of isn't the right – term find the humor in the material mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i guess is a better way of putting and so it, it really like it's it's a, it's one of those comics that's far better than it should be mm-hmm. you know you're and you come away going oh, it's just really good it's just a really good comic mm-hmm. yeah yeah that that sounds great i have to say um and it was something that i was like I thought about picking up the Wonder Woman 77 stuff had left me very, with very mixed feelings, I guess. So it's kind of funny that I ended up picking up the Wonder Woman 77 meets the Bionic Woman since it's Andy Mangles, who I believe did the original uh, Wonder Woman 77 stuff. Yes, yeah. so that was in Draco. But 
yeah, that sounds great. Uh, I would, I would love to pick that up. Another thing that I picked up as long as I was like, yeah, I've got Comixology Unlimited and they're putting all these things on here. Uh, the first issue of Valiant High, which God help me, I really did, I really enjoyed. So. I haven't read it, but I've heard lots of people be really complimentary about it. Yeah. It's, you know, there's one short term, smart, long term, dumb decision that they make, which is they've got the introduction. Uh, they've got a uh, cast page on the first page with little descriptions uh, of each character that is very helpful. But those, it was clearly an after-the-fact editorial decision, so they just took the descriptions of the characters as they pop up in the script. So it undercuts their their actual usage it, in it, the story and the in the appearances. If you see what I'm saying. Yeah, um, yeah, which is really a shame because some of those things are very clever. And I had enough of a background on the Valiant stuff. I ended up really enjoying it. I was kind of like, yeah, I, I would read this series pretty much every month. So, um, so I just that's those are my books. Those those are the things I wanted to tell you about, Graham. You, you've, you've reminded me of two things very quickly, and then, then we will wrap up. One is, uh, it's not a comic, but, but in preparation to talk to Eric, I'm going to mangle his name, uh, Hyzeri, the writer of Arrival, I got to read his script for the first issue of his Valiant comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing Secret Weapons with Valiant, and that was really good. It was a very good script. Uh, and given that Raul Allen is doing the art, I have no doubt that it's going to be a really good comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes out, it's out in uh, May, I think, mm-hmm. April perhaps. Um, also, Supergirl being super, the second issue of the Mariko Tamaki series with Joel Jones, mm-hmm. uh, is is really good, and in large part is really good because it's a surprisingly well done, understated story about trauma. Hmm. Uh, the I don't know if you read the first issue, but the first issue ends with. Uh, there's a disaster at the school. Can Kara save her friend? And the second issue starts by going, no, no, she can't. Wow. Her best friend is dead. Wow. And, well, ex- except, of course, things are not as they seem. But as far as Kara knows, she's dead. Right. Um, and the issue is really about Kara being like 16 years old. And not knowing she's an alien yet, just knowing that she has these abilities, but that she couldn't save her friend and dealing with that. And that's mm-hmm. what the issue is about. Mm-hmm. And it's surprisingly well done. Uh, it, it's, it's really affecting. And on the one hand, Tamaki's a great writer, so I shouldn't be surprised. But Joel Jones's art is sharp in ways that I haven't seen it be sharp before. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, it really, really works. It's one of these comics that I'm like, everyone should pick it up. And I remember it's like $6 an issue. So there you go. Wow. wow. It's a prestige format book. And there, those are $6 an issue now. <sighs> Six bucks. I mean, it is like eight pages. So I mean, sure, kind of. Like it's double sized. So Wait, it's double how, cost. How many pages? Did you say 48? 
It's 48, yeah. Okay. Somehow, I don't, the connection was just gimpy enough that it, it sounded like you're like, so it's eight pages, so sure, I guess. It's and I'm it, like, it's eight pages, it's so $6. So, but you know, those pages are so good, Jeff, <laughs> that it's almost worth almost a dollar an issue. Well, that page, rather. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of like, the sheets, the, the pages are so big, you can actually use them as bed sheets. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Okay, uh, that's really good to know. I have to say, I I had passed on the Supergirl stuff despite really enjoying, um, uh, what's the name? That one summer is that the the yeah Tomaki this book? one summer yeah yeah this one summer. So I was I had it on my radar, but of course it's one of those kind of because I haven't I literally have not been I wasn't in the store for issue one and I wasn't in issue two and yeah. I, I didn't catch it on Comixology so. and also it's like it's got like it's got like the dumbest release schedule like issue one came out uh, the week before New Year oh, wow. and issue two came out this wow so I guess it's bi-monthly or like every seven weeks or something like that that's well I guess if they're doing like, double-sized issues I don't know it, it sort of sounds like they I'm not sure if they have a lot of – they either have too much faith in the comic or they don't have enough faith in the comic. I can't really tell you for sure. It, it, I feel like I feel like they kind of should have waited, but uh, there you go. But it did make me uh, – Tamaki's also writing the new Hulk series over at Marvel, oh, the really? Jennifer Walters one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. uh, uh, which is apparently which is also about trauma and, and dealing – coming to terms with trauma. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I, this Supergirl issue was – was so good that I was like, well, I've got to read the Hulk story. I've got to read the Hulk on <laughs> because if it's if it's anything like this, then I I will love it because it's it's so. I just think it's particularly well done in a way that's totally appropriate for the character. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it makes me very curious if she's doing a similar for an adult as opposed to a teenager. Mm-hmm. And an adult who is is um, is aware of her power, mm-hmm. you know. But anyway, so those those, those are the two things I suddenly thought of what you were talking. That sounds uh, that sounds really good. I have to say that uh, yeah, I'm like hmm. I wonder. <laughs> it's it's one of those weird deals, especially for that price point. I start doing these really dumb like oh, if I pick it up when I go into the store, I won't. I can get a discount. But part of me is like, but I also really know that, again, I'm having much better luck reading the stuff that I'm buying on digital. Digitally. Yeah, and I just there's a bunch. Honestly, of stuff what I do is I'd wait. For, mm-hmm. I'd wait for the collection at this point mm. because I would be really surprised if the collection of this is not ultimately cheaper than buying single issues. Right. Right. Because if the individual comic is six dollars an issue, mm-hmm. I don't. I can't see the collected. I mean, I don't. I think it's only three issues. I could be wrong. But I can't see the collected edition being eighteen dollars. It's more likely to be sixteen. Right. Right. Well, the, I, but I mean, I get so that. So I, I think yeah. it might end up being cheaper. Right. Yeah. I'm. Not, I'm not too. In theory, I'm sort of like ah, the expenses. But of course, part of me is like, but if I buy it directly, I'm actually contributing to the direct sales you know but of course i'm like unless i'm buying it digitally because apparently no one's really uh, unless that's exceptionally high that doesn't isn't really seen as helping the sales of the book i guess i don't i don't know graham that that's a whole other um 
buy 12 copies in the store, Jeff. That's the only way to make your, <laughs> your voice there. Clearly. Graham, thank you. You've solved it for me. Ah, what a relief. But you're welcome. <laughs> do you, uh, do you think it's time to start wrapping up, my friend? I think it's almost certainly time to start wrapping up. Uh, listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us through this Jaws-filled episode of Wait What. <laughs> Yet again, we went to the Jaws hole. I didn't expect it, but Jeff apparently was lying in wait with a fin showing just above the waves. Exactly. Like a great white shark. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm... T- yeah, Graham, yeah. <laughs> I Don't say it like that. That's weird. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, Jeff's... Jeff's masturbating while I'm talking about shark. <laughs> oh, oh, Graham, no. Oh, I mean, no, my pants no, were off, no but that, I really... Oh, that. No, 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 no. <laughs> what nuts? This is where I tell you that you're looking for show notes for this episode. You'll find it at waitwhatpodcast.com, where show notes for all of the Wait What episodes and all the Baxter Buildings they're there for you as well. Um, you can also find us on the internet at waitwhatpods.tumblr.com, wherein there are various images from various comics that Jeff and I have read. Because Jeff has started doing it again. I'm so excited. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at waitwhatpodcasts. Uh, you can find Jeff on Twitter solo at lazybastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And you can find me on Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Most importantly, however, we are a Patreon-supported podcast. And because I said the magical P-word, Jeff Lester is going to jump into action like a ninja. Jeff. <laughs> That's right. A ninja literary agent who wants to thank all of the amazing people on Patreon <laughs> who uh, support us and help make this all possible. Uh, the Baxter Building, which is the next uh, podcast coming around the bend. Um, slightly farther down the bend, uh, is directly a result of the kind support of uh, all you wonderful people. And we should give out a huge shout-out to the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, to whom we are especially grateful uh, for their continuing support of this podcast. They're great. They're all great people. Uh, Graham? Well, technically... Uh, Audrey is a great empress. She is. She is a great empress. It's so funny. I was like, I should really move away from this whole cosmic destruction thing. For all I know, it could be offending the empress Audrey. But also, it's the sort of thing where I don't hear any... I amuse you with it. But no one's ever been like, oh, this is great. I love the tagline where you talk about eminent destruction. It's perfect for 2017. You know, so I was like, yeah, maybe I should... (laughs) To be fair, it is. At some point, it stopped being funny and started being true. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Hey, everyone, we're going to be back in two weeks. We're taking next week off uh, because it's time for Skip Week. And then we're back with the Baxter Building, as Jeff Lester said. Uh, we are doing, I can't even remember what issues we're doing. We're doing the next batch of John Byrne issues. We're going through 250, which uh, has X-Men cameos, which I remember being particularly excited about as a child. Yeah. And we're also including, I think, some more Galactus stuff as well. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Should we look? Let me see here if I can run down the list and see what the issues are. 
because it's right at the bottom of the thing with the stuff, and I went too far past it. <laughs> bop, 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 bop. Fantastic Four issues 248 through 260. There, see, that's a lot of issues. We're doing 12 issues. Actually, is that technically 13 issues? I, it probably is yeah. technically 13, because you and I are very bad with counting. But yeah, 13, a baker's dozen. We're of, doing some issues, you guys, of Fantastic Four. <laughs> well, we can tell you, we can tell you what issues, but we can't actually tell you how many of them, because we can't count in two weeks. So. Can, how many days is that, Jeff? Uh, that is ten days. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> what? <laughs> Jeff! Sorry, man. I, I don't know. I work for the man now. I only count. I only. I only count business days. So that's ten working. Days. Everyone, Jeff sold out. <laughs> and on that happy note, this is where I tell you all. And you can hear the displeasure in my voice, even as Jeff is snorting in the background. <laughs> Thank you for listening, what? Please don't sell out to the man. Don't be like Jeff. <laughs>